Welcome to Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. I am John Wayne. With me, as always, is Christopher Triana. Oh, howdy, hello, Christopher. How are you today? Where's the Blarney Stone? <laughs> hello, Vera. <laughs> yeah, oh, sh- you're Seamus a dollar. Give Seamus a dollar now. Um, happy mm. thing. Oh, did I? This isn't our St. Patrick's show? Well, happy, oh, shit. <laughs> happy, happy, uh, happy thursday oh happy day <laughs> when jesus walked <laughs> ah shit well here we are we made this is the this is the first first show of the new year right officially yes show yeah. of new we're here yes we're you know we're still queer we're doing our thing we're uh, speaking we're a new to year. you we're speaking to you from the future <laughs> i thought you're gonna say from the grave like, oh, that's, that's I, you. I'm Vincent Price. I'm speaking to you from the grave. <laughs> My nephew Percy will send. Up like a, uh, I can't. I can't do a good Vincent Price. I could if I practiced, but, I, but yes. Uh, just reminded me of that joke. Anyway, what's up, man? You out there? It's cold. Uh, oh, yeah. you got cold. a sweater on right now. I do. Right. I want to tell you this, just so just so you know. I just uh, I just went outside and let my dogs back in before I, I jumped on the horn here, and it's gorgeous outside. Like I have my sleeveless shirt on as always, um, but like you don't even need a a jacket at this point. Oh, it's four twenty right now. Shit. Sorry. Oh, go oh, ahead. Oh, oh my god! You just took a hit. What do you? Calm down. <laughs> you just took one. I mean, come on. You you got it. It's okay. I know. I just thought that was funny. Four twenty. Four twenty, bro. <laughs> It's 420 in my undisclosed location in the studio of evil. <coughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, you go ahead and gag. Uh, I'm sure that's a lot of fun. Uh, it is uh, 520 uh, in my uh, room of doom. You've said too much, dude. You've said too much. You, you yourself. <laughs> I said what time it was. Um, but, uh, but no, it, it is not beautiful here uh, unless you like uh, snow and I, I do. I mean, I love when we get that all white sky where it's just completely white uh, and it's last all day. It's just beautiful. So yeah, well, there's a lot of snow on the ground here. Uh, the other the other night it, or the other morning it was um, nine degrees. Um, you know, so it's a little little on the chilly side. Damn. Yeah, my uh, my Maza actually posted some pictures up. Uh, as you do know or do not know, my mother lives in the mountains of Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. up there close to New York, and it was uh, insane. They, the snow yeah. was. I mean, you sent me pictures and videos of how deep the snow was. Like it was like the whole half side of their house was like uh, I was. Yeah. It was covered in snow, and it's like, eh, God, we got a lot of snow, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, a lot of snow. Yeah. What? <laughs> What yeah. the hell? It's like fucking Hoth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah c- cut open like a, what do you want? Wampum or what do they call those things? Yeah. A wampa. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the wampa. There. Yeah. That's fun, isn't it? It's oh, funny excited. because I haven't watched a Star Wars movie in 20 years and I still remember things like that. I remember the names of half the creatures, the Rancor and like, and wampas and all those things. Um, I guess I was just really into Star Wars when I was, a kid uh and now i'm not yeah i'm not i'm not too big of a star wars guy i've been watching the mandalorian only because nick uh, p makes me watch it when he comes over and it's not bad because we also watched a bunch of spaghetti westerns in in that and i get to see how those stories run the parallel there so that's fun but otherwise i don't give a flying shit about star wars or anything about it but that uh the rancor 
used to be uh, the name of a, a burger at uh, my favorite bar here in the neighborhood that has since passed away, uh, Preston Power Petrol Station. Excellent craft beer bar and, uh, you know, little pub of burgers and shit. All of my friends worked there, including Chris Jett, who plays in John Money's Dead with me. And they had this burger called the Rancor that, like, blew up in Houston, where it was, like, on the front page of the Houston press. Like, the best burger in Houston, Rancor. And uh, they all hated it so much that worked in the kitchen because they had to make all these fucking Rancor burgers that had – they all had, like, a fried egg on them. This was, like, back when fried eggs on burgers was, like, blowing people's minds. Right. Um, So it was, like, I guess, like – and it's a bigger patty. It's this whole involved thing. And they had to make a billion of them because mm. it got super, super popular. So I always think of a burger when someone talks about the Rancor. And it makes me sad. Uh, I, I didn't eat one because I don't eat red meat. So I never right. had one. Well, well, that's all very tragic. Um, uh, I, I just think of the monster in the pit in Jabba's house. In J- you say it like not a church. To be in Jabba, here in Jabba's house tonight. Ooh, <laughs> I feel the spirit running all me, over Sama me. Me, Sama no, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, but not to be confused with the Sarlacc pit, which is the toothed pit in the sand that Boba Fett that kills Boba Fett. Um, Allegedly. As far as I know, I haven't watched any of the other Star Wars things. I like the original trilogy, and that's all I really care about. But even those I haven't watched in decades, because the only way you can get them now is on, like, the the DVDs or or Blu-rays you get now uh, have all that added footage that they put in in the late 90s. You can't get them the way they originally were. So I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I don't want all that, that CGI shit thrown into my Star Wars. I want Muppets, and I want robots and guys in suits. I don't want CGI Jabba getting his tail stepped on by Hans. Oh, Stewart. but who could forget that lovable scene? Oh, fuck. Uh, from what I understand, I think uh, that there's been even more, even every little other finger bang that George Lucas has done to those since uh, the big ones that came re came out in the '90s re came out. What the fuck am I? You know, I'm from Texas. Um, so like every there's like all these iterations of DVDs and Blu-rays that have just certain little things different from what I understand. Like this is this is what I hear secondhand from Star Wars people. I don't know. I don't care. To me, it seems like it would make it more frustratingly collectible. Like that would be like a love to hate collecting that because you have to get every fucking tail stomp will well, change have, the color gradients or something, you know, I have uh, speaking of I have I still have the original on VHS. And I got the VHS. It was like mid nineties. They came out with a box set and it was like letterbox THX, like the best possible quality. And that was the last time they released the movies, uh, in the original cuts. Uh, and so I still have those just because it's like the only source. I don't have a fucking VCR, but it's like the best possible source. Unless I find a bootleg or something, you, the, the prick won't, release them in their original form he thinks he improved them by adding all that jibba jabba and i don't mean well jabba. actually uh christopher i did uh, uh what i did was what, uh, jabba <laughs> Fuck oh, you. george lucas where how'd you get in our skype Fuck conversation you, get out just uh, let me get him out yeah. of here um, yeah, star wars anyway is like uh, it's the type of thing that like either you're into it as a kid or it just doesn't really matter to you um like people forget those movies were meant for kids some people refuse to accept that. You know, they think it's some like high art. It's not. They're kids' movies. They're a lot of fun. They, you get nostalgia for them and everything. 
but they're for kids. I mean, it's puppets shooting lasers for Christ's sake, you know, except, except the fact that that's what it is. There's nothing wrong with it, but we're going to get know. a lot of, uh, the, I think the Corey hotline might be blow Go up ahead. at this point. Go ahead. Listen to this. Fight me on it. I don't care. I, I love those original movies, but like, that's why I don't care about the other ones, you know, because like for one thing, they're, they're bad. And for another oh, God, thing, they're so bad, they're so bad. Mm. Um, you know, I, I saw Phantom Menace. I was all pumped for it. You know, the nostalgia. And, uh, that was the last time I watched, uh, anything star Wars because it, it was so goddamn awful. It's the worst film I've ever seen in my life. And that includes Rob zombies, Halloween. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> funny story about like when the Phantom Menace came out, I was working at the software store that, uh, where Nick P was my manager and I worked with some other guys that I played in bands with and shit. And it was just a ragtag group of, of misfits. And we had all that, like. We were starting to get toys at that point, so it was a big deal. We got all the first wave of those Star Wars toys. These are the first new Star Wars toys that came out in like forever. People are like right. jerking off their fucking. They're selling their kids to white slavery for these things. Right, right. So we have this, and you know, Nick P is a huge Star Wars guy, and he, of course, with like a couple of the other guys that were into it, did the whole camp out in a tent at the fucking you know movie theater by where we worked, and like you know we all worked double shifts so they could do that or something, and. Nick, lo like, he came out of that movie, like, loving it. Like, like he was totally blind. It was like he was in yeah, a, I think he blind, was in a state yeah. of shock. Right. Where it was right. so bad, he couldn't accept how bad it was. Oh, so I know. I knew those people. Completely opposite. I and not only did too. he go opposite like that, the best, he thought the best thing about that movie was Jar Jar Binks. To Get the extent the that he brought, he bought every piece of merchandise, dude. Like, every doll, every figure. He was Jar Jar crazy for so a while, So it really dude. was like he had a, a mental snap. It was like Stockholm yeah. Syndrome or something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He was like, no, I, it was good. He he has since recovered and knows how shitty it was. Yeah. Now you could talk to him, but it, back in the day, even back then, yeah. I was like, this is this is bad. I like I like a oh, lot I of dumb it. things, dude. But this was like really hard to watch. No, I and, hated it instantly. Hated it. Um, and yeah, I definitely knew those people too who were who just couldn't. There was everyone was so pumped for it that they couldn't accept the fact that it was terrible. You know, they were they were and like the few people that that did like a lot of them would try to make excuses they'd be like well if you just you know forget about jar jar and kind of put that aside it's pretty good i'm like no it isn't it's terrible jar jar is the worst part but it's terrible terrible anyway uh enough I, about that. enough yeah. about all that enough about well, all yeah that. I, i'm glad people are enjoying the the matador uh, uh show with with Maybe is it Boba Fett or is it like fake Boba? I don't even know. Is it like they? Well, they the Mandalorians. The Mandalorians are, are a, a, like a group of people that like, belong to like almost like a race, actually. So I, I really Boba, don't Boba care. Fett is one of those people, and he is he does come back in this show, which takes place after the Sarlacc pit. So he is not dead. Oh, in Jabba's right. house, the Lord, well, the Lord in my, of Boba Fett. In <laughs> my Star Wars, he's dead. Um, well, he's dead anyway. to me. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Guy who played him's dead. He died recently. Yeah, he did. Rest I in power. I remember his name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rest in power. Mm. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, other than all that, what have you been up to? Uh, anything good? Uh, I've been working on, you know, just working on a lot of stuff. Still, uh, I did a lot of soundproofing here to the Library of Evil. I'm not. I mean, the, the excuse me, the Studio of Evil. I'm out of the Library of Evil now. We've transported it here to the studio. 
Um, so yeah, I've been doing a lot of, uh, you know, uh, gluing, like st- uh, spraying of spray adhesive onto the back of uh, acoustic tile and, and then placing them onto walls mm-hmm. around me. So I'm ba- basically ensconced right now in uh, acoustic foamery, if you will. Wow, you know how to party. Hey, man, you know me, bud. You know me, dog. So I've been working on that and getting the room together in, and then just uh, finishing up some audio uh, book projects that I had, which was a good load off to have those done. And uh, then I'm writing some stupid, crazy shit and, uh, you know, drawing mass like crazy. But I can't talk about why I've been drawing lately, but I have a lot of drawing to do. I'm uh, actually writing something real crazy right now um uh it was announced before that this was in progress uh but some of your listeners may not know uh but splatterpunk award-winning author ryan harding uh author of genital grinder and co-author of header three with edward lee so you know he's good um he and i had talked for years about uh about doing a collaboration and we've been working on one on and off throughout the year uh and it's uh it's getting close to being finished, and it's a lot of fun for me to, to write something like this because he and I you know, have written some really ghastly stuff, and so we were like, let's go all out because that's what people are going to want from a Harding-Triana collaboration. They're going to want insane gore uh, and depravity, and so we're like, we're going to go all out with this. But, we're, but it's also somewhat of a comedy, so it's like a pitch-black extreme horror comedy. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, it's, it's been a lot of fun because... Um, Writing extreme horror and splatterpunk, I mean, if it's like extreme horror, but it's very serious, like full brutal, that's one thing. But if I'm writing something that's just splatterific, like body art, it's it, it's so easy for me to write um, because I'm just like having fun and just coming up like, oh, what crazy, disgusting thing can I come up with next? And it's just a lot of fun and it goes really fast, you know, uh, As mm. even though I'm proud of both books. Uh, body art was much easier to write than, say, Shepherd of the Black Sheep, you know, uh, because Shepherd, right. like, it was this complex story, and I had to get everything just right, and I wanted the the language to be uh, just right. Um, so anyway, working on this book uh, with Ryan has been a blast because I could just go ape shit, uh, and particularly because I haven't been doing much of that type of writing lately. I've been kind of steering away from the splatter and extreme. And been going more into conventional horror, um, and so it's it was kind of fun to jump back into uh, you know the the blood and guts. That that's awesome. Um, I can relate uh, in in the way that I think I talked about it. Writing the story that I wrote for for uh, Boinking Bizarro that Danger Slater and Brian Asman edited. I hadn't written Bizarro in a, a long while, and then right. I just went. Like, as soon as I saw the, the thing that I was going to write, like, it all came into my mind right there. It all felt like I just banged that story out yeah. in one, just like, done. Like, I sent it back to them the next day after they even, like, asked me to be in it. And they're like, oh, whoa, whoa, slow down, buddy. Hey, buddy, you slow yeah. down. But, uh, yeah, I know it, I know what you mean. You, when you switch gears a little bit and you go back to something, uh, sometimes it's it's extremely refreshing. And yeah, just, it's, it's just it's a lot of fun, like you said, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, the um, same thing happened to me uh, earlier this year. There was an open call for a uh, uh, book called Bludgeoning Tools, uh, which is coming out through Evil Cookie, uh, and that's edited by K-Trap Jones. Shouts out, K-Trap. Um, 
And uh, that that book, uh, I'm really happy to be in it because there's a lot of great writers in it. Uh, you know, Brian Keane, Rath James White, Stephen Kazanowski, Wiley Young, Christine Morgan, lots of really great names. Uh, Jonathan Butcher, and uh, the rest, and the rest. But <laughs> no, no, it's a really great lineup. Uh, and uh, as it turns out, I'm the opening story, which is always uh, uh, you know an honor. Um, and like, like the theme of the of the book is tools, but it's extreme horror. So I wrote a story called Hammer Time, nice. and uh, I wrote the story in one sitting. I wrote the rough draft of it. It just like kind of came to me. I wrote it in one sitting, you know, and went back the next day and everything, edited it and everything, sent it off, and, and Trap loved it. Uh, but it's like it's one of those fun things, like you were saying, where you're like, oh, I got it, I got it, and it just like comes to you, and it just flows, and everything comes out, uh, and. Uh, and yeah, it was, it's a lot of fun and it's going to be a fun anthology. I'm excited uh, for that to come out uh, in a couple of weeks here. It should come out. Hell yeah. I'm excited for that one as well. Mm. Um, let me ask you that. Uh, so about story order in anthologies, I, I've, I, I don't, I don't, I never know what is a good, like what is the jockeying position or pole position at all? Like I was in a literary magazine recently, um, 38 orchard, I think it uh, shouts out. I think it's called anyway. Uh, but she, but but my, but she was made made it very clear. The editor was like, "This story is the one I want to set the tone for this magazine, so it's going first. I don't say that to like, oh, look at me, I'm so cool. I was just like, well, anyway. But I, no, it is cool. But like, but then I've been like the last story in a couple anthologies lately too, where I'm well, like, that's is cool that too. Bad? Uh, no, 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 no. I think that's good too. I think first or last is kind of like. Those are the those are the spots that are like the pre- most prestigious, you know, because uh, the first one sets the tone, like like uh, that one was saying. Um, that's the one that gives someone the first impression. You know, usually if someone say they just pick up a book randomly, they'll open it, they'll read the first page. You know, uh, yeah. so when when your story starts off an anthology, that's a good sign that you wrote a, a good story because the editor wants that to be the the hook. Uh, yeah. And then if you it, you, know, you always want an end, like you know, like they say in show business, always leave them wanting more. So if you're the last story, you know, like that's that's kind of you know giving you giving that you know where it's like this was a great anthology. You want to end it on a really high note too. You don't want to just like have the stories get shittier and shittier and shittier <laughs> as they go. <laughs> so no, the last God, story. No. Well, <laughs> it, it's like, it's like the last, like, you know, 15 minutes of a podcast. Is anybody really listening? You know, they, they, they right, tuned right. out by then. That's, you know, are they still reading these stories? I don't know. I wonder if someone's uh, listening right now, or if they're just fast forwarding to the topics because we exa- babble on so long before getting to them. Babble on. <laughs> no, people need to know what's going on with us um so that's cool we talked about that collaboration uh a while back when you guys were starting it so i'm glad to hear it's getting uh reaching the end and i it is I just I to hear more about how your collaborative like how you how you guys actually did that but we can mm-hmm. talk about that when we're in the bathroom together um sure sure yeah it's been a it's been a good uh, a really good experience uh writing with him the other the only other collaboration i've ever done was a, a novelette with chad straub author of uh, Secrets of the Weird, and he and I did uh, uh, one uh, called Asperitis, and it's in uh, Cheryl Mad 4, so that was really cool to be in there. Um, but that's the only other like collaboration I've done with another writer, so this will this is kind of a big step because this has turned out to be novel length. Um, you know, it's about 62,000 words right now, so it's definitely you know going to be a short novel, but it counts as a novel, not just a novella, uh, yeah. which is hilarious because like, the concept is so simple, 
and we just thought we were going to have fun with this thing. And that's really all we've had is fun. But it ended up being much longer than we initially anticipated because we were having so much fun writing it. That's what she said. Mm. She, um, she did indeed. Do, do you remember when uh, a few episodes back we were talking about Pepperidge Farm remembers? <laughs> Pepperidge Farm. <laughs> God damn it. That was good. Um, like, uh, where were you like, just li- like giving up on something and being like, fuck this. I, you know. I'm going to start on something else like, yeah. dude, I pretty much, I don't know why, but this new thing I've been working on almost daily. I'm like, I might just throw this away. I'm at 29,000 words as of today. And I'm like, I'll, I, before I started, I was like, I don't even know guys, yeah. you know, cause I talk to myself as the guys are here. <laughs> um, but it's just like, was at a point where I'm like, where exactly I'm waiting for the me to like to fall yeah. in the pocket where it needs to go. And I'm like, why is this not dropping? Uh, yeah, Where's the drop? You know, and, and it's twenty nine thousand words. Yeah, not twenty nine hundred. No. Yeah. No, no. not twenty nine hundred, dude. <laughs> well, no, that's yeah. still a, that's still a decent amount to be like I'm not feeling it. You know, yeah. to, to be like almost at three thousand words and be like, eh. no, definitely. Um, but no, that's why I asked for clarification, be, particularly because uh, your books tend to be more on like the novella uh, side length. You know, you don't your books aren't very long. So for it to be 29,000 words and uh, like, I can see where you're like, ah, shit, you know, because what is, what's the usual length on one of your books? Maybe 50,000 words. I mean, yeah, around there. Like, yeah. uh, uh, well, the first, I mean, the first ones are a little bit probably shorter than that, right. but everything that I have that's forthcoming is in the 50, you know, plus range, right. Right. I would say. Okay. But yeah. yeah, so this is like, and that's, and that's because I notice I'm getting into where I'm like writing longer things naturally, mm-hmm. where it's just like kind of happening. Uh, but I'm just like, I think that I just keep changing my idea in my head a little bit. And yeah. I keep going back to fix the incongruity, like, you know, inconsistencies and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing but wrong now with I that. think, yeah. but I think today I figured out exactly what I want to do with it. So I might not oh, trash all 30,000 words of this. Yeah, you might, need to trash it. you might need to just revise it, you know, and go through and revise the whole thing. Um, but no, and I do want to be clear, uh, length doesn't equal good. Like, you know, it, it's not an insult yeah. for me to mention the fact that your books tend to be shorter. They just are. Yeah, and it's cool that you're expanding. My, my, uh, my most recent um, horror novels, uh, like, they ended up being really long, the longest things that I've ever written. You know, one being the Western that's coming out. That thing's going to be 500 pages. Can't wait uh, for that. Yeah. And then um, the the other horror novel, you know, it's not ready you know, yet. I still have to do more edits. Uh, go Like, you know, I wrote it, but I'm giving it months before I go back and do additional edits. Um, this is like Lonesome yeah. Dove. Like, this is your Lonesome Dove you're releasing, dude. The Western? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's what Lonesome Dove with werewolves. It's really the best way to describe it. This uh, is so big, it won't be able to fit in my back pocket. No, yeah, it's yeah. almost as big as my dick. Um, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, I wrote another horror novel this year after I wrote that one, and it too uh, is is very long. And it's not a western; it's just a traditional horror novel, not extreme. Yeah. Uh, and then I wrote these two crime novels this year, and I'm probably going to work on a third after I'm done with the collaboration with Ryan. And these three are not not sequels but they're a shared universe and that's the first time i've ever done something like that with my fiction 
is this like the like detective like the Marlowe kind of universe type thing? Um, um, well, what well what it is is that small characters in one book are main characters in another. Oh, I love you Aries. Know? Fuck you, yeah. take my money. <clears throat> <laughs> well, thank you. So, um, thank you, dude. Yeah. No, thank you. Okay. All right. Well, okay. thank me. Okay. You're welcome. <clears throat> All right. So, are we ready to rock? I think I think we're ready to rock, dude. We've All been right. sitting here. I'm rock hard. Oh, rock hard, and oh. ready to go. Nice. Um, into our first segment, I think. Yeah. And that um, is. Are, are Are you ready? Are you ready for it? I'm absolutely ready okay. for it. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay. That brings us to our first segment, which, of course, is a book of the week. Book. Book of book of the week. Oh, this is a special book of the week this week. Oh, oh. If, if we may. If you thought, if, if you thought we... Didn't suck our own dicks enough in the opening. <laughs> I was, was going to say this. Here we go. <laughs> Buckle in and get and look out because I'm about to throw my legs over my own fucking shoulders here. Um, Moved the ribs, folks. Mm, it's going to do it. Just like the ale- allegedly Marilyn Manson had done. Um, he didn't really do that. Uh, but good urban legend, though. So book mm. of the week. Oh, he did it. Yeah, he did. Anyway, book of the week this week happens to be my dick i mean my book <laughs> my, uh, book. my brand new book because my as book. you're <laughs> my book as you're listening to this i'm gonna uh, write the song to be about my book and i'm gonna sing it to you i want eight hot happen. bars by tomorrow please all right thank you Sorry, uh can... yeah uh but anyway my new book as you're listening to this it comes out tomorrow january the 8th mage of the Hellmouth from grindhouse press is our book of the week by me, John Wayne Communale. I'm very proud of this book. Very happy with it. Um, th- uh, I want to give a major shouts out to all the people who uh, bought the pre-order of the special edition of Mage of the Hellmouth that comes with the custom print and the, the 12-sided die. I have them right even here in front of me. They'll be sent out. Um, like I said, it's in there. It, you don't get the special edition tomorrow. It ships a week later, so just hold your horses. It'll be there. But uh, I'm super. He's not, uh, he's not Amazon, folks. Give him a break. Well, I have to. They're all going to be, you know, hand signed and numbered. Exactly. And uh, you know, and I have special little things. And here's one of the dice. I don't know if I'm holding it up to the camera. Yeah, if you can really see cool. it. So uh, there was 20 of so, these, and they all sold. Uh, uh, if I may, what uh, the symbol that's on the dice? I'm guessing that's related to the story in some way. Uh, what is that symbol? What symbol? On the dice. It's all sixes. It's sixes. It's a, okay. It's a 12-sided die that's all sixes, except, well, 10 sides are six. Okay. And then the one side's a pentagram, and the other side's my signature. So, okay. and these are all, like, in my handwriting. Like, I drew all the, the shit of these. So these dice are, are uh, super custom, and they're awesome. So all that shit's been sent out, but I'm very stoked about this book. Um I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna read read what the synopsis is and then I'm gonna do a, a special reading from it, if I may, which I may. Oh yeah. So here we go. This is what the back of the book says. Jake loves his job working for a local family-owned craft ice cream factory. That is, until he's transferred to the company's main facility on the other side of town. The new workplace means new rules, and that means no more showing up on the job stoned and having two beers for lunch. 
The new position makes him uncomfortable, and while he's told there are numerous co-workers, they never seem to be around much when he's there. When his best friend goes missing, and his new supervisors show up at a party, Jake begins to dig deeper. All of the strange occurrences seem to connect to a discontinued role-playing game Jake owned as a child, Mage of the Hellmouth. It all leaves Jake wondering what secrets are hidden in the ice cream. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> so, just a little background on this. This was, you know, I worked for a facility uh, a production job where I made a product that it had to be in a cold environment where I was in like a 40 degree room. I've mm -hmm. talked about it. I shall not say their name again. I've removed it from my mouth. You can go back and listen to old things where I say it. Uh, but it was, uh, I was in a cold environment and, um, Carrie, uh, AKA CV hunt who runs grindhouse press. You know, we had this conversation a few years ago when I first started working there about how she used to work in a kind of a, a facility that uh, was also super cold for like uh, one of the Nestle plants up in Ohio mm -hmm. and the ice creams that they did. And they had to go into this very super cold uh, room, like they called the box or whatever. And it's like 20 degrees below because everything's like flash frozen. They had to like right. stack pallets of ice cream and you could put a special. So you can only be in this room for so long of a time. So that like captured my imagination a little bit. And then, uh, you know, with this job I was at, I kind of rolled some stuff that was going on and, and, uh, and then put that thing she told me together and, and just came up with this, uh, weird story about that and, 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 uh, a role-playing game and the devil and, uh, you know, all that good stuff, but I'm going to do a reading. Yes. Were you going to say something? No, 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 I wasn't. I I'm excited to hear the reading. <clears throat> uh, if I may, this reading, uh, takes place after. So, uh, the main character, Jake, he works for uh, the smaller facility in town that makes like a, the specialized kind of uh, gluten free and all that shit. But it gets closed down. That's how the book opens. Like he finds out he's getting transferred to the main facility on the other side of town. That's huge. And they they just uh, do all this shit there. So he he makes the cut, gets transferred. He's now being walked by a supervisor to his new uh, where he's going to be working in the box. So. <clears throat> Tim turned to the door, grabbed the silver latch on the right and pulled down. An extended hiss sounded as the, as the seal relinquished its hold from the metal frame with exaggerated reluctance. It opened to a staging area far more elaborate than Jake was used to. Across the room, directly in front of them, was the door leading into the actual box. To the right of it was a pane of three-inch thick glass known as the safety window embedded in the wall. The window was four feet by three feet and allowed for someone to watch the person in the box in case something happened. The two were supposed to switch out every 30 minutes to take the required break every hour. On the wall to their right, two specially lined thermal jumpsuits dangled from hooks. Clipboards and a poster warning against the dangers of extreme cold hung to the left. Another poster hung behind, beside it with the first aid instructions on what to do in case of hypothermia or frostbite as well as how to properly administer CPR. Jake wandered over to the window and saw the box was much bigger at this facility, meaning more work, naturally. There was one difference he noticed right away, though. There was no loadout door built into the back wall. Without one, how was the forklift supposed to load the pallets from the box to the truck? He figured he was just missing it, but if so, he was unable to tell what could be obscuring its location. He was about to ask about it, but Tim spoke first. 
Take it off, he said. What was that? Jake was sure he'd misheard his supervisor. It sounded like something you'd hear shouted at a strip club. Take off your clothes. Jake paused, confused, and suddenly wondered where the other part of the two-person team it took to work the box was. He couldn't do it by himself, and there were two suits after all. He looked at the jumpsuits again and noticed something different about the staging room. There was no red stripe along the wall. He noticed the stripe ran along the halls since he'd entered the facility, continuing, unbroken, plunging around door frames to circle each room before exiting the other side of the frame where it continued on its way. A quick glance back through the thick window showed the red line was absent from the box, as well as the staging room. So, Jake said again, pointing to the jumpsuits, you mean I have to go back down to the locker room and change, or... No, Tim interrupted. I mean, take off your clothes here, now. Oh, uh, is this a new thing? Because we never... Now! The authoritative halt to which the supervisor delivered his command was jarring in the small and otherwise quiet room. The tiny amount of echo delayed quickly, making it sound like a touch of reverb, reverb had been added to Tim's voice. The effect made his demand sound more terrifying and forceful. Jake wasn't sure what he was going to do, or if his new supervisor was truly serious, but he started to unbutton his lap coat while quickly running through the options in his head. He could probably make a break for it and get past Tim fairly easily. Jake really wished he'd pay more attention to the video. Maybe he'd miss some vital information that could possibly make sense of this. Was he really supposed to take all of his clothes off in this room right in front of his new supervisor? Could he even do that? The thought of him standing naked in front of Tim was confusing in and of itself, but the minuscule amount of excitement he felt didn't help either. From there, his mind went back to thoughts of Elise in the locker room. That's another supervisor. Only this time, she stepped into the room with Tim, wearing nothing but a lab coat, one size too small. Jake stepped over to the wall and hung his lap coat on the hook next to one of the jumpsuits. He imagined Tim turning around to open Elise's coat slowly, one button at a time, Lost in the fantasy again, Jake didn't realize he'd started taking his shirt off until Tim barked again, snapping him back to reality. Mr. Bowman, what are you doing? Jake froze with his shirt pulled up to his chest and his stomach exposed, wondering the same thing. He let his shirt fall back into place while chewing on the words he was attempting to say, succeeding only in breaking apart syllables that leapt one at a time from his stuttering lips. Oh, I thought... Th thought that Jake was completely thrown by how sudden and invasive his fantasy was, as if he had no control over it. He'd had his fair share of J-dreams back at the old facility when he was bored, but those were organic and wholly his own. He felt as if this scenario was beamed into his head by force, like when the news breaks during your regularly scheduled program to announce the latest tragedy. I thought you said to take off my clothes? Jake finally managed. Coat, Tim said, enunciating loudly. I said take off your coat. You don't need it with the jumpsuit on. We'll just end it right there. <laughs> so, Very sexy. That was just a little uh, part about uh, getting in the frozen box. But yeah, uh, yeah this, uh, this is fun. And there's a lot of weird mind trip things that are happening to this cat in this uh, new facility they have to go work to. Work yeah. at. Yeah. And so. Yeah, he definitely hinted at that with the, the sex dream beamed into his head. Mm -hmm. Something is happening. Who knows? But that's available tomorrow, January 8th on <clears throat> on paperback and, and Kindle. 
And uh, if you got the special edition, it's shipping out in a week. And if you didn't get one and you want something like that, never fear. There's a few other things planned uh, for this book this year. That rhymed. Hey. Uh, so you you have another chance to get uh, get your hands on something else really cool as well uh, in relation to this. So stay tuned. Very cool. Thank <clears throat> you for the reading. Uh, everybody, Major the Hellmouth, check everybody, it out. Everybody, please check it out. Well, that uh, brings us to uh, our other uh, literary segment. Ooh uh, la la. I think it's time for that. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Everybody. Ridiculous read. Oh, so ridiculous. I got to tell you, you got a great ass. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, We're getting drunk, folks. Getting drunk. I know I am started, baby. I'm I'm still chugging the eggnog here, baby. We're celebrating my new book. Yeah, you had all. I told you, you bought. You know, you had to buy that specialty eggnog from uh, Harness or wherever the fuck you had to get it from. I stocked up. uh, I stocked up. Now, now you're fucked because it all expires tomorrow, and you have to drink it all. (laughs) So smoke up, Johnny. You only get (laughs) thirty sweet noggy days, and then the government takes it away again. So you got to make the most of it. God, eggnog. You know, we used to make, have to make eggnog lattes at Starbucks and they were the worst. Um, That sounds terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Eggnog is one of, is one of those weird things where it could, if it's done right, it's delicious. If it's done wrong, it's the worst fucking bile you've ever had in your mouth. Yeah. It's it's like putting like a thick nutmeg jizz in your mouth or something. Mm -hmm. Like it's Mm -hmm. like that. It's elf cum. Okay. Merry Christmas. Thank you. So, uh, this week, uh, we've got, as always, a very special, ridiculous read. Uh, Mm -hmm. And John Wayne is not aware of this. No. But but not not just the book, but you're not aware of it, but we have a special guest in the house to introduce the book. No. To introduce the book, and then I'll do the reading. Are you serious? Yeah, very special guest. Okay, let it happen. He's here right now okay. in my house. Okay. All right. I'm going to let him take over the, sh- the take over right now. Okay, cool. Jesus Christ. Oh my gosh. I don't know if you can really hear it in the microphone. You kind of can't it- you are it's an urkel doll you've got an urkel doll the talking urkel doll it is beautiful it's glorious this makes me excited because i think this foreshadows into what we're gonna go into got any cheese (laughs) yeah so you could hear him will yeah uh this gorgeous puppy as you can see it's in Mm -hmm. excellent shape Mm -hmm. for a doll that's like 25 years old um and it still talks, for Christ's sake. It still yeah. talks, which is even more amazing. That's weird, uh, yeah. So whoever owned this took excellent care of it um, and didn't pump loads into it like Urkel does his cantaloupe. Uh, this spectacular artifact was gifted to me uh, this Christmas by the, the Southards, Wes the and Southards. Katie. 
Yes. <laughs> West St. Katie Southern. That was uh, the one. Okay. That was they, the one I saw when I was visiting. In, yeah. In that yes. store. Right. That yeah. you guys took a picture of. Uh, yeah. They su totally surprised me with this. I did not expect it at all. So thank you, Wes and Katie, so much. This is really a fantastic, thoughtful gift. I really appreciate it. Um, yes. And he's going to sleep in the bed with me. I finally have someone to spend my life with. Uh, my Urkel doll. I love it, dude. That is amazing. And it only talks back when you want it to. It does. Could you imagine getting like a, one of those real dolls made of like uh, vintage Urkel, made like vintage Urkel? That's I would beautiful. love that very much. Yeah. If you're looking at, the, if you're watching the video, uh, he's holding up the face. He's looking at me. He's looking through me, actually. Um, the likeness is amazing. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that's fantastic. What a time that. What a time. It's wonderful. Uh, so I remember I was at that store specifically because I, I grabbed the book Zardoz off the shelf. Zardoz. Uh, and, and then Wes said, fuck you, motherfucker. You got Zardoz. I didn't get it. Fuck you. And then I was like, okay. Um, yep. Sounds like something he'd say. Yeah, I guess. Um, but I got Zardoz from that store. Zardoz. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't have Zardoz, but what I do have is a book. And this is the first time that we've got a reoccurring guest. Uh, for yes. ridiculous reads, yes, uh, and much needed, much needed. Uh, because I did not plan to just read from this once. Um, we're starting a new year, uh, mm -hmm. and we need guidance. We need advice. All of us, all if of us. Ever, especially we if, if ever we needed it, we need it now. Coming out of 2020, um, mm -hmm. and the people that really need this advice is anyone stupid enough to be listening to this show uh, or hosting it. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> covered all our bases there <laughs> uh, everyone just tuning out right now um, i kid i kid because i love uh, i'm reading of course from steve urkel's super cool guide to success a true masterpiece uh, welcome back i need this in my life right now do. i need some guidance we all do uh, from steve humorous tips from urkel on how to win at fashion finance romance and more um, so I'm going to go ahead and start off. Uh, I have real quick. Do you think that Wes pumped any loads into that before we sent it to you? The doll? Yeah. The, so I got the book on my own. Um, it doesn't appear so. There's no, uh, you know, holes in it from his giant, giant dick or anything. So from the Splatterpunk award winning dick. <laughs> and there's a reason he, they call it the Splatterpunk. <laughs> um, right. That's no, enough. no, it, it looks, it looks pristine. Um, Okay, it hasn't been breached then. Fair, fair no, it hasn't been breached. No, he's he's still a virgin. He's saving it for Lyra. All right, so um, I've got two segments because uh, those who remember the last time I did this, uh, the segments are really short. Um, and we, as we've said, we need this advice. So uh, a lot of people in 2020 they had you know financial woes, job woes, and so I thought it'd be good to read this to help people out. This is Steve Urkel. Uh, investing for success. Wealth. This is good. Wealth, fortune, riches. Can I tell you how all these can be yours? No. But I can tell you how to make a few bucks by investing. Investing means putting money in a special place. Is it the counter at your favorite candy shop? Nice try. To invest, you have to put your money somewhere it can make more money. I've got money in a savings account, a mutual fund, a CD, an IRA, and a 
Vazimutapa, which stands for forget about seeing your money until you're three times your present age. Huh? Huh? Oh, now that's topical. <laughs> yes. Uh, in each of these accounts, my money makes more money every day. For every month, I keep 10 bucks in a savings account. It makes 0.475 cents, almost a nickel. Uh, almost a nickel may not sound like much, but that's about the cost of a piece of bubblegum. And I mean, really, who, who doesn't love bubblegum? You know, got to get that big league chew in there. Uh, that's about the cost of the buckle on a suspender. I don't know how he knows that. Uh, that's well, about the cost. He wore a lot of suspenders. We discussed that. He but, would probably but, be. Yeah, a... but did he just buy a, who <clears throat> buys a buckle? Just one buckle for a suspender. Um, that's about the cost of the first 45 seconds of a movie. My money's working for me, which is a lot easier than me working for it. But before your money can start working for you, you've got to come up with some money to invest. Here are 10 ways to raise money from your first investment. Number one, play a musical instrument in a public place. When, see, this could help you, John Wayne. Thank you. When I, when I play my accordion in the park, everyone throws coins, along with whatever else happens to be within reach. This is pre-COVID advice, by the way. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, number two, write love poems for other people's Lauras. <laughs> Charge different prices. Nice. See, this is both of us, because we're writers. All of you writers <laughs> listening, write love poems for other people's girls. Uh Charge different it's prices. It's like a Cyrano thing, right? Possibly. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah, from the Steve Martin movie. Uh, <laughs> charge different prices so everybody can afford one. Two bucks for a poem on pink stationery, one for loose leaf, 25 cents for a napkin. <laughs> uh, now, I would yeah. think a napkin might be more because it's got like more of like a quality, uh, like a scent of like a, I, I felt this so hard right in this moment. I had to write it on I this napkin. Write right down. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, absolutely. So I don't know. know. That's what I think. But. Covered in, in beer or and it just says you've got a butt that won't quit. Um, <laughs> number three, set up a stand that sells ice cold lemonade. This might not be such a good idea in Alaska. <laughs> ah, that's a good one. Uh, set number four. Set up a stand that sells hot chocolate. This might not be such a good idea in Miami Beach. <laughs> okay, so the rule of threes dictates that the next one is going to be uh, an, uh, the, the tag for this joke, right? Set up a something. Is the third? Is the next one set up a something? No, that's the joke. Number five, offer to help out your parents around the house. My father once gave me $5 to help him put a piece of masking tape on my mouth. Okay, so something is going on in the Urkel household here. Um, I don't know if it's a sex thing or a, or a torture thing, but it's definitely child abuse, uh, which is hilarious. As Sounds we know. very sexy. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does sound like something. Uh, it's very funny on the surface. But, you know, at the root of it, I think it smacks of abuse. Oh, yeah, it absolutely does, uh, which is really, really funny. It's so funny. In fact, I'm going to give it my Pennywise laugh. Ha 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 There you go. Oh, uh, that sounded like Santa Claus to me. No, Santa is ho, ho, ho. This is ha 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 You know, like when the Tim Curry Pennywise, the real Pennywise. Uh, yeah. 
Do you have Prince Albert in a can? You do? Well, you better let him out! Okay, so you know when uh, I do, like, my Bowie impression and the other impressions that I do that are good and fun? And this isn't isn't like that. No, your your impressions are not good or fun. So, uh, you say pretty freaky or... um, I, uh, I, you're being really rude. Those are the only things you say when you do your impressions. So, uh, so yeah, don't knock my Pennywise because it's I'm not punchy. I got, I got a relaxed brain. All right, I got a relaxed brain. I'm not punchy. You know, I'm doing my best. Number six, offer to mow your neighbor's lawn. Remember to cut the grass only. Steer clear of roses, azaleas, and poodles. All right, so all of that. Sex abuse has turned Urkel into a uh, an animal torturer. Apparently, that's what I get from that. Which is the first sign of a serial killer, like a, a burgeoning killer, serial killer. It is. I mean, he's got all the steps here: child molestation, uh, uh, animal torture. He's like step by step by step turning into Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, so watch out, Laura. Uh, number seven. Two- Did he have a poodle on the show? No. Did he no. have a poodle fascination on the show? No. Okay. No, he did not. Um, and I know because I recently watched the entire series, as you know, I did. You did. Well, only for that dissertation you were writing. So Yes, yes. <clears throat> Number seven, tutor other kids in math. If you're terrible at math, be sure to hire someone to tutor you first. I'm glad he said that uh, because I am not good at math and I was totally going to do this. Uh, Number eight, work extra hours at your job. Bosses really like workers who'll stay late on Saturday nights, though they get upset when they find you asleep on the job. Is that what happened to you at the ice cream shop, John Wayne? (laughs) Asleep on the job? No, I never fell asleep on the job. Why? Just because I would get super high and drink beer at lunch? That's what you do, right? That's what you do when you're working a job, right? That's what you do. Nine to five. Did you say doo doo? You, you can't you can't, you can't Now see, you say all I have is you're being really rude and pretty freaky, but it it's seems so that true. it seems that when we turn the tables, all you have is hey. this very loud kind of it's it's like I can't sing in key, but if I'm really loud, no one'll notice type of thing going on. So hey, I just want just to point that say, out. My pennywise impression. I said it was my pennywise laugh. Midnight at the Oasis. (laughs) Uh, Number nine, rent out space in your locker. Let kids who can't fit something in their lockers leave it in yours for the day. Okay, this is how you get busted for drugs, Urkel. Uh, The bigger the item, yeah, the bigger the item, the more you charge. So what, a a pound of brown tar? You know, Uh, maybe 50 cents for an ice skate. 75 cents for a saxophone. A dollar for a baboon. Yeah. Did you say a sexy phone? Is that a phone filled of filled with dick pics? Uh, it's a it's a saxophone, which is what uh, Tim Capello plays. No, oh, when he's playing, yeah. uh, I still believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, a dollar for phone. a yeah. baboon. So he's locking a, a an ape in uh in a locker. So again, with the animal torture. Now, on the uh-huh. other side of the spectrum, I just want to point out that's actually a brilliant idea for like a bad kid to do like rent out his locker to ho- like hi- yeah i'll hold your fucking shit yeah, for x amount 
Yeah. But but like and when you when they give when they give you the shit that you could get in trouble for, you put it in Urkel's locker and you still take the money. You know yeah, what I mean? There so you there you go. Exactly. All right, last tip. So fire up your pencils, folks. Okay. Number ten, lend out your copy of this book. First of all, I would never do that. I this is prized possession. Why would you? Um, no. Uh, and he says, for a book jammed with tips this hot, you should be able to charge at least five bucks. An hour. And is that adjusted for inflation, or is that? Uh, a... <laughs> I, 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 I probably not because I bought this book for like three forty nine. Um, I know I, I can't. I'm. I can't. Circle should myself. take some of his own advice. He should. He should. You want my right. advice, Circle? Take your own advice. <laughs> I got that one too, dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. Time to take out the trash. Uh, all right. So, so um, that brings us to our, our next one. Uh, a, another uh, section of advice from okay. Stephen Q. Urkel. And this one is uh, going to be really helpful to me, I think. Because, um, like I said, one of my resolutions, get me a new woman. Uh, so I jumped at this because uh, it's how to succeed at romance. Yeah. Okay. Some people say love makes the world go round. It definitely makes the Urkel go round. Yikes. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're. I feel like we're encroaching dangerously into like the game territory where it's like, step what? one, nag all women. Step two, like, uh, I feel like we're getting. Is that is that this uh, kind yeah, of advice yeah, yeah, or yeah, no? Yeah, like the, okay. the kind of thing where guys go into the woods and they cover themselves in mud and go like, oh, and they cry and shit. Yeah, that's that's it's something like that. Oh well, okay. Yeah, uh, I think about my true love twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and on holidays. She's the apple in my eye, the music of my ear, the rose of my nose, the sock on my toes, the sun in my sky, the cream in my cocoa, and the E-I-E-I in my E-I-E-I-O. Come on. (laughs) Now, if you don't come at the end of that sentence, I don't know what is wrong with you. Like, women everywhere who listen to me read that just fainted in desire. Um, And a lot of men, too. Could have went. It could have went a lot of different ways, though. Sock and cock. I mean, cream. You threw creamy in there. I mean, <laughs> the cream in my cocoa. Uh, for those of you who may not know who she is, where have you been on the moon? Her name is Laura. <laughs> He's being really rude. <laughs> the apple. Okay. Of... See, I, I see what you did. <laughs> so the apple of your eye may have some other name, like Marilyn, Nancy, Harvey, or Mr. Chimp. Okay, so now we know the baboon in his locker, he's fucking it. <laughs> he calls it Mr. Chimp. Mr. Chimp. And he drinks creamy coffee with, with him uh, or her. Yeah, uh, he's got a sticky uh, huh. sock or something. Yeah. Um, but in this book, I'll call your special someone your Laura, because this will keep things simple. And because mm. just typing her name 
gives me the tingles. Laura, Laura, oh, Laura, 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 my fingers tips are buzzing with delight. Laura, 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 uh oh, uh oh, Laura, Laura, I'm losing control. Laura, Laura, my fingertips are going wild. Laura, Laura, please don't put down the book reader. Laura, Laura, I have my fingertips back under control in just one little second. Laura, Laura, Laura. Phew, Please tell fun. me that you were making that up. I am not. Oh, I, my God. I'm looking at the fucking. <laughs> you're looking at the page right now. You see all those wow. italized Lauras? Wow. I, actually, I is... actually cut back on the amount of Lauras when I read it just because I didn't have enough breath in my lungs. Now, how did that get past uh, somebody? I mean, come on. That's like total jerk off material right there. He's coming. His fingertips are his dick. The, his fingers are connected to his dick, right? His fingers are his dick. <laughs> it's for jacking off, this book. It's for jacking off, isn't this it? This book is for jacking off, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so there's that. I was so excited to read this. Uh, I'm excited, so... <laughs> too, now. <laughs> you are now, yeah. yeah. Got a raging boner. Um, the so-called experts will tell you that the best way to win your Laura's heart is by playing it cool. They'll say that the absence makes the heart grow fonder, so you should wait for your Laura to come to you. Mm. Hogwash! Your Laura is a heavenly creature, a perfect angel, right? Waiting mm. for somebody like that to come to you would be like waiting for Haley's Comet. Waka, waka, waka. That's another impression for you. Um, that's why, that's why the Urkel plan for winning your Laura is much more direct. Give it all you got, amigo. Smother your Laura with kindness in every way you can think of. Carry her books. Bring her flowers. Write her letters. Play her love songs on your accordion. If you don't have an accordion, any extremely loud musical instrument will do. So there you go, John Wayne. Um, always be there for her. Be there to pick up anything she drops. Be there to clean up anything she spills. Be there to help her when she trips. Whenever possible, you should try not to be the cause of all the dropping, spilling, and tripping. That's good advice. That's, you can always take, be closing as well. Always, always be closing. Always be closing. Yep. Creamy um, coffee is for closers. <laughs> only for closers. Good father, go home and play with your kids. Creamy uh, coffee. Become interested in anything she's interested in. Now this is actually well, great. I, yeah. Okay. No, no, this okay. is good you, advice. You first. You first. Let me let me just say. I think this is good advice because this is how you get a girl: is you pretend to care. Uh, that's what being a man is all about: pretending to care. You you nod when she says things. You repeat stuff back to her so she thinks you agree. You know uh, that you are of a like mind. Uh, and now it's not so much pretending as it is. Feigning interest at times. Yeah, it, yeah, feigning interest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it make Does believe. that soften the blow at all? For <laughs> it's, it's make believe. No. Um, yeah, you, uh, you let them turn you into what they want to see. And that's fine, but they will never know you. Uh, so anyway, he says become interested in anything she's interested in. Love what she loves, hate what she hates, and be wishy-washy about the things she's wishy-washy about. If she finds something sad, you should break into tears. If she makes a joke, laugh your head off. Aha! 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 
To prove your love, you must be willing to get down on your hands and knees and worship the very ground your Laura walks on. This can really hurt if she's wearing cleats. I, I get it. At first, you're, <laughs> you you want to say something about the cleats? So I just want to say, like, the the way this is the verbiage and the way this is kind of worded is is the title of this chapter uh, Steve Urkel colon original cuck or or what because it really i mean this smacks of cuckdom if i've ever if i've ever heard it well it also smacks of stalker um so he's got that going for him too but uh but no like he's saying you know uh love what she loves hate what she hates uh basically he's saying don't be you be what she wants you what you want her to see what she wants you to be uh pretend to like her music and her books so it looks like you have things in common uh, so don't be you. That's what I get from this. And that's the best advice anyone's ever given me. Don't be you. Anytime someone in my whole life said, just be yourself, that was terrible advice. I'm going to say that right now. I've learned that it's terrible advice. I should definitely not I, be myself. Well, I mean, I don't I don't agree necessarily with that. But I also think that, you know, the uh, George Costanza opposite of everything uh, approach uh, is a, a valid approach as well at times it is uh sure i don't even know what the hell that means you don't like seinfeld for some reason right i i don't dislike it i just never watched it really i i I just i don't know don't throw then don't throw shade don't throw shade at me dude i'm not i'm just saying i don't know what the hell you're talking about i wasn't throwing shade i was just stating a simple fact i actually forgot what we were talking about so carry on at first your laura might seem puzzled by all this kindness she might look a little scared or confused, or like she's about to faint. But don't be fooled, true lover. Your Laura is just playing hard to get, the shy little thing. Do not let up with your shower of kindness. Shower away. So I think he's talking about pissing on her or something. Uh, aye, your, Laura, aye, aye. <laughs> your Laura might keep on playing hard to get. Okay, now he's just going to full-on rape here. In fact, she might play even harder to get. Then she might play harder and harder to get. And then incredibly hard to get. Then she might play impossible to get. It really really says all this. Uh, Oh, Jesus. (laughs) This is problematic, dude. This is really, this is some some Epstein shit. Uh, But one thing's for sure, she'll definitely know who you are. Your Laura will never forget you, love warrior. But she okay. won't know who you are, though, <laughs> because you're just what you're just playing a character, right? Well, and she'll, then, rem- she'll remember the name. So uh, <laughs> your Laura will never forget you, love warrior. You'll have won a lasting place in her mind, her heart and her dreams, although one or two of those dreams might be nightmares. What? And that's how he ends on that fucking thing. He ends on that. Dude, I got to say that. This uh, this Urkel advice book has gotten very dark. (laughs) It it took a very dark turn, and I'm I'm very glad that I didn't buy that Urkel doll now. And that you got that that West pumped loads into it and sent it to you rather than me because, wow, that's uh, you know, if you if you it's funny if if you know the context of the show, even even that even though that juxtaposed upon like reality is extremely 
rapey and weird and, and you would call the cops you yeah. wouldn't let this weird kid in your house every day like got any cheese like no like you would he like he's life. like spying on your daughter and shit no this is not good things like well, I, I don't in, know in man the show, in the show it, it's much more lighthearted than that than the way I read that. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, I mean, you can put music, you know, a, a music bed behind something and make it sound lighthearted. No, I know, you know, I know. But but anyone who's seen the show understands that Urkel is the annoying neighbor. He has a crush on Laura, and she just kind of tolerates him. But he doesn't like spy on her. He's he just like comes over and he's like, we'll be like singing to her with his accordion. He's just trying to woo her, and he's a nerd and he's terrible at it. But he's harmless, and they actually become friends. Uh, but like, you said he had a thing with animals. He killed some animals. <laughs> the way we read the book. So yeah. he's like one step away from like her head on a pike in front of his fucking house, right? He never like, killed anything in the show. Uh, but he did travel on screen, time, which is cool. Uh, he also did take a nutty professor potion that made him Stefan or Kel. He did. He did. Actually, I correct that. It wasn't that he traveled through time. He teleported um, is what he did because they did a whole episode in Paris. Ooh, <laughs> That is, you know what? That is something I wish was real teleportation. Yeah, it'd be pretty sweet. That is one thing I wish I could do. I wouldn't wish to fly or for a million wishes. I'd be like, just let me teleport. You know? I'd, w- I'd wish for mind control if I could wish for anything. Over your own mind? No, over other people's minds, dipshit. Oh, that's cool. It is cool because then you can have anything you wanted in the world. You you go into a bank, say, "Give me all your money," and they'd be like, "Okay, here you go, Chris." And like, no one would would mind. You know, you could you wouldn't have to bother learning how to how to woo the love of your life. You just be, "Hey, love me, baby. Kiss me, baby. Show me your breasts." You know, that sounds like very. That. You're sounding very Urkelish right now, dude. <laughs> I think you need to back off. You've been. I think you've been spending a little bit too much time in quarantine with this book and this doll. All right. So let's just step back away. Oh, my God. And reset. Let's recalibrate. Oh, my God. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Like, say it. I, I, got, I got the Urkel doll one day. And then the very next day, I got a neon sign that says live nudes. Oh, yeah. From, from Mr. John Wayne. Uh, like, from you sent me. me this fabulous, fabulous neon sign. It's a it's a curved arrow, and it says live nudes. Uh, and I love it. I abs- Thank you so much. I absolutely love it. Uh, oh, I, you're welcome. I, am, I wanted to get the room ready for us, dude. The I game am, room. The game room, man. Yeah. Yeah. Pac-Man's all set. Galaga, they're all set to go. It's just a matter of putting it all together. I still can't really li- lift my arm that high to hang up the stuff, but you're going to help me. Uh, oh. Spoiler alert, people! I might be appearing in un in, in parts unknown. Parts unknown. The compound. The, the compound. room of doom or the room of boom, if you will. <laughs> With because, because we're the certified bombs. Bam. Okay. Well, <laughs> that was awful. That was, uh, that was just awful, and I I'm a disgraceful disgraceful human being and i but, apologize. But no, I wanted to get you something cool for the room to kick it off. You know, That's and. Awesome. Uh, I I felt like uh, that sign was the I was like well that that one that that'll do yeah, I, yeah. I tried I really scoured the internet for Evan Williams signs and they're very hard to find I feel like I should just go to the one of the bars that my friends own and just ask them just to give still. me one yeah. because they're really hard to even get but uh, man neon signs are nuts this is way better though uh, I I much prefer this to the to the Evan Williams one well I like it too I feel like it uh. It tells you where the the naked ladies are. Yeah, I want to put it in my front window. 
uh, I think that would be pretty fucking boss, you know, I just think- right in the front window of the house, you know, particularly because I'm right across from a police station. There's a police station right down there. Uh, uh, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would be great. But, you know, all, all that would happen is I'd get some creepy dudes knocking on my door. I'd oh, yeah, exactly. Them, you know, so but it'd still be funny. <laughs> Hey man, is this uh do we need a password or uh what do we how do we get in here? You know what I would do? I would just start taking my clothes off, be like, come on. <laughs> That'll that's dang- that's dangerous, dude. Yeah, no, nope, it might not. People might like that. Actually yeah. might it actually probably won't. Yeah. Somebody traipses to your house in the middle of the night, in the middle of the snow, <laughs> following a live nude sign, it's probably gonna take what they can get, dude. Just so you know. <laughs> Even the dog's not safe. Nope. <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, now that we've rocked and rolled through all that. Oh, I see what you uh, did. Little segue there. I see what you did, Mr. Saturday Night. Uh, Oh, man, I am on fire. Okay. It's the eggnog. It's the eggnog. I got it. Let me have my fun. It's thick, dude. I'm having fun, too. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) In that order? (laughs) It's thick. I'm having fun, too. <laughs> Come on. God, Boom. Hey, God Boom. bless her. God bless her. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> oh God. That's a good good girl. Anyway. It's like uh, we're twelve, dude. It's like we're fucking twelve. Well it's when great. we get together, we're very twelve-ish. <laughs> you know? Um <laughs> We're so twelve-ish together that we're almost thirteen, but we're not thirteen. Uh yeah, no, we are not. Nah, that's... Not we're not even like uh, you know when you're like well I'm thirteen and a half we're not there yet. Mm-mm, we're on, definitely not. Uh, yeah. All right, that brings us to our topic, which is one, two, three, four. Live nudes. Oh wait, no wait, no. that's not what I meant to say. Uh, one, two, three, four. Live music. Mew. Zick or Zach? Mew who Zahik. Music live of the live variety is what we are talking about. Yes, today. We're, we decided In capacity, to... Chris. Lay it out for us, please. Well, yeah, what we decided to talk about was uh some of the live shows that we've seen uh and the experiences that came with those shows because going to a concert is always uh an experience. It's not just what happened. It's not just the music that you see, it's what happens at the show, because something ridiculous always happens um uh and so yeah we were going to talk a little bit about some of the shows that we've seen not all of them you know we only have so much time uh and i know i mentioned one or two like we both mentioned one or two throughout this the the show of like things that we'd seen uh but you know whatever we're going to just talk about them and if we mentioned it before too bad we're going to mention it again yeah okay yeah we're talking about them in depth though mm-hmm. to an extent so exactly. okay so do you want to, how do you want to start into this? Um, well, what's, uh, what's the earliest memory you have of a show that you saw a live show? You saw the of music? a live show. Yeah. Yeah. What's the first memory you have? Do you, do you remember? Yeah, of course, because I was extremely sheltered. So it wasn't like I was 12 and 13 going to rock shows. Right. You know, I was seeing like uh, hallelujah, hallelujah <laughs> music like at, in yeah. the fucking church. Right. Um, but that when, 
No, it doesn't count at all. And like, I have like a weird story anyway, because like I I've played you know in bands for twenty plus years, and my main inspiration for wanting to play in a band and wanting to play the guitar was seeing Back to the Future, when Marty McFly plays uh, Johnny Be Good at the end. Yep. Mm-hmm. For for some reason, I was ex- so enamored with that, and I was like, I want to play guitar. Yeah. I want to play guitar so bad. Um, and that's that's why I I ended up doing it, but. The first like live show that I got to go to and like take someone to and do the whole thing was uh, I was 17 and it was no doubt the band, no doubt. Uh, uh-huh. um, yeah, it was I've, like for, for my them. prom and shit. Like I, I don't know how. I mean, I I know you said you're a music person. I'm a, I'm a music person as well, and I get I used to like and I guess I kind of still do. We'll get like super crazy hard in the bands, but back then. I loved No Doubt with every fiber of my being. If they said to jump off the bridge, I absolutely would have. Uh, back when I was like 16 and 17, I just like loved that band. Um, like when that third wave of ska broke, I was that, that was right when I was like 16, 17, and I was prime for that because I was already kind of getting into punk and stuff at that point and then ska comes back and I'm like what and 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 leading at the forefront of this is this kind of quasi ska band no doubt with this uh, amazingly beautiful singer Gwen Stefani uh, who I also was in love with for a long period of time Um, and uh, and I took yeah I took a girl to go see them live cool who was the girl uh, she, she was actually my prom date. I told, I do this, uh, for, if you don't know, I do a, another podcast called John Wayne lied to you, where I tell the stories from my life. So I have told this story on there, but it doesn't matter. I'm still going to tell it. Yeah. Uh, this was my prom date. Uh, her name was Cheryl. We were very on again, off again. I was, but I'm, you know, I was just a giant pussy back then. Uh, basically, uh, she'll co- actually, she'll come up in another story if we're talking about concert stories too. Um, but this one, it was like, our tradition and like i don't know i kind of got roped into being involved or having to be involved in these things like dances and shit at school for because for some fucking reason when i was a sophomore all of a sudden like i get put on the homecoming court and like it was crazy dude what? i i never <laughs> thought that i never looked at myself like that i was like no but all of a sudden, like, I'm on the homecoming court, and I am for the next three fucking years. Fucking uh, voted nerd. On the I mean, Jesus it's like, Christ. no, dude, I know, nerd. I know. But, dude, like, listen, all I did was theater. All I did was theater. Yeah. And and let me tell you, that first time I, wor- I, I uh, was on the homecoming court, uh, it was not super glamorous. Like, my mom, wa- like, walked me out on, because you, know, you walk out on the field during halftime for the, the, uh, at the homecoming game mm-hmm. and you know my mom was walking you know we walk out and they announce my name and it's kind of like some tepid clapping and then someone just yells fag <laughs> and my mom was like my mom goes what and i was like just keep walking just keep walking so it was it was it was that, that, devastating spoiler it, alert that was me it was not cool <laughs> at all um no, that's but not- it's not but I, I don't know, but I, I, I guess like just because I did theater and I was That's John exactly Pro- I was John Proctor in the play and no, shit. Oh like, no, no, dude, hold up. That's exactly why the yield fag, because that's that was what they were we were called. They were called the drama fags. You know, that that's exactly what the, the kids said back then about us. Uh, and I say this because I did drama too 
in, in junior high, you know, and then in, in high school, I was too busy with sex, drugs, and Satan. Uh, you know, so um, literally Very those accelerated learning, literally those things. Um, yeah. So I didn't do drama anymore. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, like no, because the drama kids are nerds. Uh, they they really are. You know, like the cool kids uh, usually aren't doing that. So. Yeah, but yeah, so that's how I kind of got like, and then after that, it's, I mean, it's, it's not, an, it's nothing at the time, like you look back on it, it's like, there was no real, I, I could have bucked this expectation, but there gets an expectation put on you and you're in high school and you don't know what the fuck's going on. Right. So it's like, I have to go to these things now and it comes down to prom and I, and, uh, you know, I end up going with, with this, this girl that I've gone to several dances with before and, uh, she's fine and everything. But she really jerked me around, and I wasn't extremely uh, happy to bring her to this thing. Uh, but the thing about prom at our school was the like the Friday night, the night before prom, was the night like you went out and did like you went to a fancy dinner and like da da da. Huh. And then night before, not the night. Yeah, huh? the night before, but because Sorry. because the night of prom, they have food there at the prom, mm. oh, so that's okay. supposed to be where you eat. I, guess, I mean, I guess you could do it however the fuck you wanted, but that was just how it was. And then after prom, you went to um, Project Prom, which is, unless you were, I guess, ultra, you know, very Project cool. Prom? It sounds like a, a military mission. <laughs> it was. No, it's where you go back to the high school, and it's like a lock-in, and they do all these things and prizes and games and shit. But, like, I, so, so the Friday night, involved in your high school activity than i was i barely went to class i went to bayside high uh <laughs> white on on white street at the corner of uh cracker avenue and yep. uh, so yeah, the, the, the the theme song for the band was i'll be there for you it was a different uh it, it was uh definitely uh yeah you know what my high school a, a white was? affluent high school like I would my say. high school theme was expendable youth by slayer okay like we, my crew was, was fucked up and crazy. We barely went, we brought knives to school. The biggest fucking, uh, drug bust in the history of the town at the time was at my school. When I was there, the cops just seized the school because there was nice. more, there was more LSD being dealt out of my high school than anywhere else in awesome. town. Yeah. No, it wasn't awesome. Congratulations, dude. It wasn't because a lot of my friends ended up going to jail. So it wasn't awesome. In fact, one of my friends she was an exchange student. She got caught with acid and she got fucking deported. Nice. Another friend of mine, she, she diplomatic had immunity. That's what I would have declared. <laughs> Another friend of mine, she had a pipe on her, uh, for, you know, for weed. And, uh, no, it wasn't corn cup. Uh, no, it was just like one of those little like pipes you get at the store that have like pink Floyd on it or something, you know? Right. Um, but this was yeah, like the mid nineties when it was like, yeah, this was, this was tantamount to treason to have marijuana. Yeah, in no, yeah it was, it was. Yeah. And, and she was so scared, uh, because the cops were literally sieging on the place, like fucking assault on precinct 13 or some shit, even nice. though those were the bad guys sieging, but you know, you get my, you get my point. Um, see, so she, like the cops were like breaking. So she ran to the bathroom and hid the pipe in her vagina because Ooh. yeah exactly that's how fucking scary this raid was yeah wow yeah my fucking school dude it was it was bad it was like fucking lean on me dude like the 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 fucking dean um he the uh crusty old dean the cru he was Did a you have a dean of a high school or we, oh we yeah yeah principal no there was a principal and a dean same thing with my junior high there was a dean yeah what the hell's a dean 
Super I Nintendo or what? He's the one who gives detention and like stuff like that. That's not uh, the principal? No, no, the principal's got more important shit to do. Uh, I don't know what, but no, this is what the deans did where I grew up. Um, and yeah, the fucking guy, he, uh, he was a prick, so he got what was coming to him. But he, uh, he expelled a guy on the football team because he, uh, they found out he was taking steroids. Uh, and, the, and the guy flipped out, dragged the dean out to the, the court, like, you know, where everyone gathers in for lunch and all that, dragged him out there, beat the living shit out of him, broke his arm. Like, uh, just everyone, Damn. And everybody. Damn. I, Everybody gathered around and was like cheering, like, yeah, kick his ass, kick his ass, break his fucking face. Everybody. Yeah. Um, if anything <laughs> like that ever happened remotely at our, our school like that, we would all get free therapy forever. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be a travesty. Well, well, I got more for you. A guy came in and shot up the lunchroom. Uh, he was mad that his girlfriend dumped him. He didn't Ooh. shoot. Any, he didn't kill anybody, but he shot up the place. And and. In junior high, this wasn't even when I was in high school. This was in junior high. One of the kids snuck his shot, his dad's shotgun, to school and took his own head off. At the in at school, school? at school, took wow. his head off. I was in, I was in like seventh or eighth grade. In a classroom or like in the bathroom? He went to the bathroom, went to the bathroom and and shot his head off. Wow! Yeah. How yeah, long was, was that bathroom closed for? Uh, you know, at least a day. I don't know, but uh, it was. It was pretty fucked up, man. It was pretty fucked up where I grew up. Yeah, not uh, completely nothing like that would ever uh, think about happening well, where I went to school. Um, yeah. But that, but it has changed now because a, a couple, uh, probably like five or six years ago, someone was stabbed to death in the cafeteria oh. of that of that same high school. So it's a different place. Anyway, the culture of the high school was that as such that prom was these two things, and then you get sucked into this culture, like I said with homecoming, and like you're just anyway. Can I say I'm one right, quick so, thing before we get off that? Yeah. I just want to say one quick thing. I'm sorry to right interrupt. Now. I just I, I, I wanted to add one quick thing. Um that dean that got the shit beaten out of him, yeah. He never came back. Uh Why and the no, and then, then the dean uh who replaced him got fired because she brought a gun to school in her purse. Nice for yeah. protection. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry. I just wanted to. Th- I needed to cap it off. This with is that. a real Death Wish three neighborhood school you were going to. That's what. Like, what uh, that's what it was like, dude. That's what it was fucking like. I mean, the, you wonder. This is why I'm so fucked up, man. I grew up in hell. Well, over in Bayside High, where I went, um, there I'll was. I'll uh, be there for you. <laughs> it was quite different, but uh, I was, like I said, uh, for a, for a while, I had been infatuated with the band, no doubt, and they were finally coming to Houston for a show, and I went as soon as the tickets went on sale. I went and just bought two, and this was back when you had to go to like Foley's or Macy's and wait in line at the at the customer service because that's where they sold tickets for the ticket master. And there was just these old ladies that wrap presents selling tickets. They didn't know what the fuck, you know, you have all these weirdos in line, but I like went straight to the mall from school one day and just like got in line and bought these tickets as soon as they went on sale. So I had these two tickets. I didn't, you know, I had these for months and then it happens to be on the prom. So I like take this girl and, uh, I'm like overtaken by just like, I'm so overstimulated by this, like, experience i'm like oh god this is my favorite band ever oh man this is the best thing ever like the girl being with me was completely like i don't know 
by the way, you know, like it was like, I wasn't really concerned. And then we, and then she was like, yeah, we're going to go to this party at so-and-so's house uh, after the concert. And I'm like, cool, whatever. And we get there and it's like, you know, and this is a party at one of those people's houses that again, in like, you know, the, you know, I guess Bayside rich white neighborhoods of Richie rich, where you have those parents that are like, whatever, you guys can have all this beer and shit. As long as you just don't, you know, you, some of you stay here, I whatever, you know, you have those parents. Yeah. So that was at one of these places. So everybody there uh, is like, we pull up, everybody's like drinking beers and I'm so thirsty because I've been rocking out. Mm-hmm. singing every word to every song head ba- like just dancing my heart out and i just like down a dr pepper immediately because that's like they have like sodas in the fridge as mm-hmm. well as all these beers and then i i down that so quick and then i get another one just because i'm like i'm thirsty and the guy like one of the guys is like hey slow down on those dr peppers dudes dude and i'm like oh i'm so i'm thirsty man and i look over and the girl i'm with is like sitting on the lap of somebody else and i'm like you know what i'm gonna just <laughs> So I just left. I left yeah. her there. I just left. Yeah, yeah well, like, fuck I was her, like, dude. I'll, I'll pick you up on tomorrow. some other guy's lap? Fuck I'll her. I'll pick you up tomorrow. So, like, the next day was, like, no frills. It was, like, uh, you know, everyone, like, in that circle, like, all of her friends got picked up in limos and shit and all that. I pulled up in my fucking Chevy S10. Uh, I was in white tails, though. White tucks and tails. I just, and just picture like, you like just like get hit, in, baby. Here we go. I just picture you hitting the horn and it just plays La Cucaracha, you know. <laughs> but then like we go to like you know we did the prom thing, but we go to the project prom and she just like uh, you of still course, went to prom with her after she was sitting on another guy's lap. Yeah, I didn't care, dude. And then as soon as we got to project okay. prom, it was like whatever. Uh, she did her thing, I did mine. But here's the thing: I won a mini fridge that night at project mm-hmm. prom. Nice. And I had that mini fridge for years and it served me well. Mm. I had many a beer in that mini fridge. And that's what I take away from that that story about that show. My first time to see No Doubt. No and doubt. I got a mini fridge, dude. Very good. Um, but yeah, I used to be very, very into them. That was that that show is very memorable to me. But I yeah, uh, yeah I, your first I, show I, is memorable. Yeah. Well, that's that's it's kind of perfect that that was your first show and that to kind of go in with your high school experience compared to mine uh my first show uh it was in 1992 i was 14 going on 15 and i I am 16 going on 17 that's another impression i have i was in that show as well go ahead yeah yeah and you know what they called you for it uh so anyway (laughs) boom boom Anyway, the show I go to, I go with my buddies and I, and, and again, uh, you know, we were kind of fucked up, and we were all into death metal. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, early 90s in Florida, that is the home of American death metal, with bands like Death and Cannibal Corpse and Morbid Angel and the rest. Uh, this is where, this was the hub. This is kind of the equivalent of Seattle when uh, the alternative rock movement started, you know? Uh, so we were in the hub, and so here I am, 14, I'm super into death metal, uh, you know, because I hate life and myself, and so uh, so I go to the show, and I was so stoked because two of my favorite bands were the headliners, but the openers were also good. The openers were Brutal Truth, Cathedral, and then the headliners, uh, Napalm Death, and my favorite of all time, Carcass. So that is, that is a fucking four punch from hell. Like any death metal fan listening to this right now is coming in their pants from that lineup. Um, How old are you for the show? Fourteen. Oh, 14. Wow. Yeah. Nice. 
So in a mosh pit in Florida with a bunch of crazy redneck metalheads, uh, just getting my ass kicked. It was great time. Really, really good time. Good memories. Um, but yeah, what a show. Too. What a show, dude. And it was in a total dive bar. This place called the Power Station, uh, which is now a um, an auto zone. Uh, but it was like this place and they had like pool tables and they had a big like mosh pit area and a bar and we could go there and like, you know, like just fucking do whatever we wanted. We could smoke and like sneak beers and stuff. Uh, and so we went there a lot and a lot of the shows were just local death metal bands, um, ones that never made it big. And we just, we saw death metal shows all the fucking time. Um, so yeah, that was a, a much different experience from your Richie Rich, uh, candy coated candy assed no doubt concert well i think also like it's it's a you're a product of your environment to an extent like you said absolutely where you were in florida was the hub of a lot of death metal and yeah, and that was sure. where it was coming out of so at that point in time like i i also like this is exactly at the same time when i'm starting to actually play music you know, and play a guitar like at 16, 17, like I see this band, but then I get very quickly plugged into the local scene where I'm then going to shows by myself all the time because I have no one to go to these punk shows with. And I'm going to classic venue Fitzgerald's, which is since in the last like two years ago, bulldozed and made a parking lot. Uh, but uh, you know, I would go there almost every weekend by myself and just watch the shows. And I saw so many good bands, but like we had bands like middle finger was a big band here. Uh, and they were like a ska punk band and you know, I like they, and then, then all you get like big wig would come through and, and just all these kind like, I was just on that wave. So that was what we had here. Big. We right. did like Houston hasn't ever like now we have a pretty good doom metal scene. I would say. But like uh, we we didn't have ever like a like we had a cool metal like back in like new metal times there was some cool corn ripoff bands I guess but like there nothing like uh well you had like good that. you had some great country music though you had some great country music we have great all we have great music period um, but we do have some great country mm, mostly music country well. mostly country um, the Judy excellent say, punk band out of Houston sorry cool I did want to say uh, going back to that show. Um, I was like, I remember my buddies and I being blown away because like the guys from Carcass and Apom Death and everything, they would just like went and hung out at the bar after the mm. show. And it's like, well, yeah, of course they did. There's no backstage. It's a dive bar. But it, like yeah. as kids, we're just like, whoa, I can't believe I'm meeting Jeff Walker and Bill Steer, you know? Uh, and so, yeah, we were, we were flipping out and, uh, uh, it was the Utopia Banished tour for Napalm Death and they were, the, they were the, the top headliner even though it should have been carcass carcass way better but anyway uh they had they had their posters up on the walls and like we we, we just ripped them down you know we like my buddies and i and we're like yeah. we signed we said so i have i to this day i still have a napalm death utopia banished tour signed by every member of the band uh that was in the band in 92 nice. um it is it's super nice no that um, is very cool i do remember like when i started to realize that they just they, these bands, but like these, I I would hold like these local guys and in, into like high god deity like a oh sure or, yeah yeah and and I would just like w when I realized that like oh they're just kind of like walking around like I yeah. get excited like a little nerd and shit, um, but I that's what I liked. There and was I, a band in uh, in in Melbourne, Florida, where I uh, uh, where I grew up, uh, mm -hmm. called um, 
they're, they were called Dead Serious, and they never made it big or anything, but they were kind of like a f- metal band that did some songs that were kind of funny uh, at the same time. Um, and uh, my, my buddy Eddie and I, shouts out Eddie, he, uh, out, you know, Eddie. like we, we really liked this band, and I never saw them live, which is weird because they played all the time in local places, but I never saw them live. But we listened, we bought their tapes and listened to them all the time. And I remember like we were in a, we were in a Camelot music. I don't know if you, if you remember those. I did. Uh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that they, that they were gone by the time you were. You know, they're, out, they're out kind of regional camp. as, as well. Um, they're a regional thing, but I do okay. know that. Well, yeah, they, I, they I, were, I am, I am they familiar were in with the them. malls. They were in the malls. Uh, they were like where you went to buy your tapes and stuff before Best Buy existed. Uh, and yeah, I'm that old. I said tapes because it was tapes back then. Um, oh, excuse me. Um, but anyway, we're 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 in a Camelot music, and we see the lead singer of of Dead Serious. He was known by as Dead Lee, and we were like, "Oh my was god!" He working there? No, he was just. Oh. He was, well, it's funny you mentioned that though. I'll get to that. Uh, but no, he was just there. He was just buying tapes, and we were like. Dude, you're deadly. We love you so much. You know, and he was just like, "Wow, you know who I am." <laughs> you know, um, and then uh, years later, a, a store opened called Serious Sounds, which was a record store. And sure enough, he was the owner. Uh, so yeah, it was just it's this funny thing. Like when you're a kid, you think anybody who plays in a band is some kind of like metal god, and then yeah. you're like, "Oh no, wait, this guy just he shops at the mall just like we do," and you know, um. Are you, um, are you still with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just didn't want to interrupt you because I, uh, like, I forgot there was like one of the other huge bands in Houston, Thirty Foot Fall, that I was uh, hugely enamored with. Punk band, uh, Butch, the lead singer, he worked at like a Spencer's in the mall, and to see him, like, you would be like, "Holy shit, that's fucking Butch!" Like, I, I saw him not like maybe like seven, six or seven years ago at Brash, my favorite brewery, and even then, I was like. It's fucking right. butch, dude. You know, and I like even and I was like had a regular conversation with him, but still in my mind, I was like, God damn, dude, this is cool. You know, like that little kid in me. Um Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um well the the second concert I remember seeing, and I'm and I know there were others that I saw at the power station, but like I said, a lot of it was death metal bands that weren't big, at least at the time. Um, mm. but it all kind of blends together. I know I saw Deicide and and a couple other Florida metal bands. I would love this. I've seen Deicide. Yeah, I I haven't seen. I never saw Deicide. I like like most of the most of the Florida bands I saw. um, Limp Bizkit. No, no, I'm talking about death metal music that's actually worth listening to. Um, So I saw uh, the second concert I remember, and this is one to remember, is I saw Guar. Uh, oh, which yeah, was fuck yeah. also at the power station, like this dive bar, but there they were. Um, mm-hmm. And this is really, this is a funny story. Um, you know, I like, I was already listening to their stuff. I loved scum dogs of the universe. It was like, I loved that album so much. And that was their latest one. And so they were doing all the songs from that album. And, uh, uh, and so I, I'm like at the show and I'm like right at the front row. You know, mm-hmm. like an idiot, you know, because anyone who knows Guar, they dress up as space monsters and they shoot all kinds of stuff at the audience. Um, if and you're within 30 feet of the stage, you're getting hit with you're something. Getting, you're getting soaked show. with stuff. Yeah. Especially right. in the front. Forget about it. Right. But you forget also get a it. chance to grope Guar woman who is, uh, I don't know if she still is now, but at the time she was an attractive lady who wore barely anything on stage. 
And she actually welcomed that. She would like walk up and like stick her ass in your face and you could like feel up her legs and smack her ass and stuff. I certainly did. I'm 14 getting to feel up a grown woman and smack her ass. It's a great time, you know? Well, time's up, Chris. It's what? (laughs) (laughs) What the hell's wrong with that? Like I said, she welcomed it. She welcomed it. That was a like Guar Guar was very theatrical theatrical. They uh, were. They were. Um, and, and they still are. They've lo- they've I, gone through many changes. Lost their singer. Um, yes, to heroin overdose. Gone, but I have a. I have. But I, 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 as I continue, I'll tell you a funny story about him at this show. Um, uh, this was the first time I think that I saw Guar. I ended up seeing them twice, maybe even three times. I don't know. I was I was drinking and doing a lot of drugs back then. I mean, I was fourteen. You know, you know how it is. Um, but anyway. Uh, they like they're, they're they're playing and everything and uh like they come out and like the, some of the guys have these big rubber dicks and they're like mm-hmm. they like spraying fake urine on everybody you know and like this was a thing like everybody would go to the show would wear a, a, a plain white t-shirt uh so they could come away and have all the stains you know of the fake come blood. away yeah huh? they would but like you would have like the fake stains and the fake blood and everything in fact i remember the second show that i saw of theirs is when uh their new album america must be destroyed came out and i wrote that on my shirt and i got it all covered with blood and, and gore and piss and i wore it to school the next day <laughs> and my teacher was outraged this woman was like you're wearing a shirt that says america must be destroyed where's your patriotism like she flipped the fuck out yeah what? yeah she did she flipped the fuck out that i was wearing you a did shirt go that- to a weird school dude. dude yeah she sent me to the dean and everything yeah yeah i also got sent to the dean for wearing my cannibal corpse shirts crusty old dean crusty old dean uh, anyway, to get back to the story, I'm at the first score show and uh, and like the guys are doing like the fake urine and they're like s- pretending to behead people. They got people that run out and they're chopping their heads off and like all this stuff. Um, oh, and I forgot to mention the Melvins were the opening act. Uh, <sighs> I have to tell Melvins you. Rule, dude. I, I have to tell you this part about the Melvins, but I'll get back to that in a second. Um, they were the opening act and no one even knew who they were back then. <sighs> But like no one, dude. Um, but anyway, I'm right up front row, as I was saying. And at one point, the ba- you know the band's rocking out, and I'm like right there, like like odorous. The lead singer is like right in front of me, and I've got I'm throwing up the the Dio horns. I'm just like yeah, you know. And he puts this like plastic thing in his mouth, looks right me in the, right right in my eyes, and then goes and like spits this fucking spits in my face, right this globule of like this red dye stuff that's supposed to be blood hits me in the face with it okay and my eyes start to sting like whatever like fake shit this was it's burned my eyes right and i'm like motherfucker and i'm like you know like rubbing the stuff out of my eyes and like even though i'm like 14 and starstruck i love this band i was just like fuck that you know so i I wait and uh i'm like watching him and he's like dancing around the stage and he comes back to me again and like not paying attention to me but just rocking out and again these people they wear these crazy costumes and he had like these long like fake chains and shit on him mm-hmm. and so like he comes around and i grabbed the one of the chains and i and like and like locked him with it and yanked it down and i punched him in the fucking jaw <laughs> what <laughs> i punched him in the fucking jaw dude why? Because he spit in your face. Because he spit burning shit in my face. Fuck him. That's Nobody's... part of the. That's no, part no, of the no, show, no. dude. Fuck that's you, what you dude. signed no, up no. for. No bullshit. No, I, no. You spit in my fucking face. I'm punching you. That's how it is. 
right. my face with this burning shit in my eyes. So yeah, I punched him. Uh, and I mean, I didn't, I'm 14. I didn't like knock him on his ass or anything, but I, but I clipped him good in the jaw. And mm-hmm. when he pulled back, I still had the chain in, in my hand and like this big chunk of like latex fake mask shit came off. I had it pinned to my bulletin board in my room for years. Cause so I was like, ha ha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's a real fun memory. I punched that fucker right in his face and he, he deserved it. Um, but he's dead now. So I win. Uh, cool. Anyway, anyway, um, the I, Melvins, I wanted to mention this because you know, okay. you're a fan. Uh, the crowd that was there was definitely there to see Guar because they were just like, Guar, Guar, Guar. Uh, and Melvins come on and they're playing their songs and everyone in the crowd is just heckling them the entire time. They're like, you fucking suck. And like the guy had that weird Sideshow Bob hair. So they're King like, Buzzo. He does have that. Yeah, he had that sideshow Bob hair, and they were like, people. I remember some guy was yelling, like, you look like a fucking onion, you know? And, uh, and, uh, yeah, like, who are these fucking people? The crowd fucking, they they were all war people. They fucking hated the Melvins. Um, and, and there was not one person there that was like, yeah, rock and roll. There were either people that just kind of like stood there and watched them, like I did, or there were people that fucking hated them. And people started like throwing beer bottles at them and stuff. And so finally they were like, fuck you. This town sucks, which is true, which, <coughs> which is yeah. fair. They're like, yeah. fuck you. This town sucks. And they just like stormed off. But everyone applauded when they left. They were like, yay. Cause that's what everyone wanted. They were like, get the fuck off the stage. So yeah, I saw them get booed off the stage. Uh, that's a show as well. So sorry, uh, Melvin's fans, but that's what happened. Do you not like the Melvin's? No, I'm indifferent. Like they were fine. I wasn't one of those people booing them and throwing shit. I was just watching the oh, show. But, but you're not familiar with their catalog. No. I mean, no, I'm familiar with them somewhat, but I'm not a fan. Like I don't uh, like I'm oh, like someone puts them on. I'm not like this music's terrible. It's fine, but I'm not a, a fan really. No, that's cool. Um, so I have a like now. Now I'm gonna now I have to, I feel like I have to transition into my guar my guar material because we're coming off of it but no not my guar material but that just reminded me of of my guar experiences first time i saw guar was in austin uh at south by southwest what year uh, when was this 2016 maybe oh, oh, 2015 okay. so, something like that fairly recently yeah like yeah uh, somewhere around there because it was uh my band that I uh, my band that I was in called Letters to Voltron that was like a proggy uh, kind of humorous band, and then our my friends in uh, the punk band the B Sharps got this gig that was one of those off South by gigs that's going on during South by, but it's not at a like sanctioned bar of South by Southwest. So we we drive up there to go to the show uh, and do the show, and and it was like. Uh, it's Texas in like March. So it's, it's, it's nice when we leave and uh, we get there and it gets fucking freezing cold all of a sudden, mm, like a front yeah. blows in and we're at, we're playing at this weird coffee shop. That's very off like the beaten path. And uh, we're by like the dirt, like this dirt fucking shit mall that has like maybe seven stores left in it or something. So we all walk to this fucking mall next to this coffee shop uh, and buy hoodies at every, anything that was like 50% off at Hot Topic. We just bought a hoodie like so we could all have like something to wear. Mm-hmm. And uh, we go back. We play the shows. They're fine. They're in the afternoon. But 
we go back to one of the dudes and the B sharps brothers that we're staying with, like his house. And we start getting loaded, like not like we weren't already getting like drunk during this because we're like, what the fuck are we doing? We're in a coffee shop in the middle of the afternoon. Like, mm-hmm. this is ridiculous. Um, so we start like getting drunk heavily. But because we're like a part of this, we end up getting uh, to see Guar for free. And they're they're playing in uh, I forget what the park is called, but it's like this central ish park in austin was was austin dead by then or was he still or or or, no odorous was no odorous was this was odorous so yeah i can never remember years dude i don't i don't even remember when i graduated from college i don't remember the first time i got married i don't i barely remember this time i've heard that there's still a really a wild show even without odorous um this bodybuilder chick i knew went to see them and she was raving about them Uh, anyway back to your yeah well so i saw so uh you know it's outside we get we get free because we play like we're getting getting free into guar right and uh we're drinking we're drinking on the way there we get there we get into this place outside it's fucking cold dude like Mm -hmm. for us in texas it was like you know it went from being 80 to like 40 Mm -hmm. and we're freezing and no one's like prepared for it so i we all have like these very light sweatshirts on but we're very stoked to see Guar, but we're not going to get clo- close enough to get soaked because we knew better, yeah. uh, except for a couple of people who did. Um, but so we we're in this weird carpool carpool situation. And this girl drove like myself and three other people uh, in my party that uh, in my band. And we didn't necessarily know her. She was like a friend of a friend, but she's like driving us. And she's like, ah, my, 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 my. she's one of the, she's just talking, talking, talking. We go to the concert. It's awesome. We have a great fucking time. We go back to her car, and she's like, oh, I have my keys. And we're like, oh, where are they? I guess I lost them. Oh, I, God. I was, when I was crowd surfing, because she went all the way up to the front and uh, got yeah. soaked yeah. and did all the whole thing. And so she's freezing and wet. And so we go back to the park, and we're up by the state. We're trying to find her keys in basically like a field of grass oh god in the dark and like people are trying like some of the security people are trying to help us because they have lights and we're just like this is this is ridiculous yeah i mean this is this is stupid so we go back to her car and she uh we uh it's unlocked uh because for whatever reason i think she had like a, a a you know you put the number in like you can open your doors that way like those oh right i remember cars those. that used to have like that yeah, but yeah. so she could get us into the car so we're all sitting in this like whatever it was and she called she's like this is no problem i haven't my insurance has like uh rekey whatever so she calls like this insurance and she's on like speakerphone and they're like yeah we can send like a tow truck out to get you but we don't have a key to give to you and she's like what do you mean this is part of my service like this girl is going off about like and and we're we're looking at each other like what the fuck does she think they're gonna helicopter a key to us like what is she talking about she gets irate dude it was Uh, and so we sit in this car and we wait and finally like we get a hold of uh the guy our friend's brother who's staying there and we get him to come pick us up while she waits for like a tow truck to come because we we were there for like dude that whole situation literally after the show was like two and a half hours of of a ridiculous scene now fast forward to like even more recently before odorous died guar comes through houston 
and they're at like one of the local venues and Katie and I go and we meet some uh, friends of ours uh, there and, and like we leave the venue and I'm driving my element. This is a very bad story. And uh, I've, of course, like smoked a billion weeds. My car is just like a Jamaican rock concert and I've had some beers and stuff. And I I go straight in a in like a turn only lane. So this woman like turns in the lane next to me because they were both turn lanes and she barely like clips the back of like my car like my bumper and i'm like fuck so i pull over she is lost her goddamn mind she is like it's like this is like the worst thing that has ever happened to her mm-hmm. i am so fucking calm and cool like i'm just like i have no uh i don't know like it was like i was on beta blockers or something i was like okay um I don't think that uh, this is not too bad. And she was like, look, okay, we can't call the police. Last time I called the police, I got a ticket. My husband was very mad at me. (laughs) She was in like a she was in like a white Lexus, I remember. And uh, she was on her way to the airport to pick her husband up also. And she didn't. I was like, "Uh, yeah, I don't think we need to call the cops either uh, at all. Like, uh, why would we? So I have insurance. So here you go. And she's like, I mean, this is I mean that's crazy. I mean, you went straight. And I was like, yeah, I, I know. I know. It's okay. I, I made a mistake. I mean, like I, what do we, and I was like, just, here's my insurance. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'll see you later. And then I just left mm-hmm. and went home <laughs> and just like my insurance took care of it. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's how, that's what it's for. Yeah. Uh, but that was, those are my two guar. Uh, yeah. I, I did want to, I did want to add though, like you were saying like, Oh, well you spit in your face. Well, that's that's part of the experience you knew you're getting into. You know what? Fuck him. He knew what he was getting into. This is a fucking punk show. The the singer, the band, they're not fucking safe. You want to fucking rock out? You want to spit at people? You're gonna get fucking hit too. And well, a lot of punk shows back in the day, punk shows back in the day, like you would spit on the band to show them you liked them. That was the I thing. Know. You know. So maybe he just really liked me, but I punched him anyway. Um, I'm saying, like, yeah, I'm sure he did, he didn't come back at you. He wasn't mad. I mean, no, maybe no, no, he was effed, no, no. but like, I mean, he knew. Yeah, yeah, no, he just kind of backed away and didn't come near me anymore. Um, but uh, it, I did almost get trampled at that show too, um, because like, like everyone's moshing, you know, and I'm 14 and skinny, you know, and yeah, at some point I got elbowed in the, the face or some shit, and I fell down. And luckily, this guy behind me scooped me up under the armpits because, like, people did not care that I fell, yeah. uh, and they were just like just running. Yeah, why would why would they? It's a punk show. Yeah. So he uh, he dragged me up and saved my ass, which was great. Um, but yeah, I was I came home and I just looked fucking wrecked, dude. I had like fake blood caked into my hair. It was all over my face. Like, yeah. like, like the the shirt was all covered with like fake pee stains. Yeah, and I had a big chunk of that fake latex trophy that i brought home so uh great great times good good times good memories you know getting the shit beat out of me and all that um moving on uh let's uh let's talk about some other uh interesting shows i i absolutely am ready i do you want to i mean uh it's your turn and if we're going by the 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 current a b a b rhyme pandemic yeah uh, i I don't know like we're kind of like instead of going like I mean, we started off with our first, but then we kind of went like in a glory and that went like my days and your days, which were very far apart. Uh, so maybe we'll just continue on with some of like the heavy metal stuff and then move on to other things. Yeah, maybe we could do that because um, I was going to bring up that uh, one other special uh, death metal, uh, speed metal, some would argue, show 
uh, is I went to see Anal Cunt when I was, say, uh, like, I think I was turning like 34 uh, at the time because it was my birthday. Uh, and I went to see the show. And as I mentioned before, uh, Tim Morris, the, the drummer for the band, shouts out Tim. Uh, he's a buddy of mine. And he, um, and, and like Anal Cunt has had different members throughout the years, but Tim was one of the founding members. He was the first drummer and the last drummer. Uh, and uh, the only constant in the band was Seth Putnam, uh, the lead singer, who was an absolute certified madman, that guy. He was just totally fucked up in every possible way. Uh, like any drug he could get, he'd put it into him. And uh, at this point, he had already OD'd really bad on like a combination of like crack and heroin. So he was kind of mm. like fucked up, like really just fucked up uh, because he went into a coma and barely recovered. And so he was like, literally half dead walking around but they put on this amazing show and they actually dedicated it to me because i was a friend and everything which was really cool um yeah no and that was a really cool time and they were like this one's for chris blah blah, blah. and again total dive bar and uh seth's mother was at the show very supportive much like your mom you know you know like what, whatever crazy stuff those kids are into they, they she like they're about it you know god bless them uh and so his mom was there and she was standing like right behind me and she was like, Oh, it's great. You know, the guys, you know, the boys, I'm like, Oh yeah, you're friends of mine, you know? And, uh, and it kind of worked out great because, you know, mind you, I'm very jacked at this time. And there's all these people just explain mosh- what you mean by jacked. I'm very muscular. Uh, like okay. hitting me is like hitting a brick wall at the time. Um, like a truck, like, I'm like a truck is like a switch, you know? Uh, and so like, really, I was at like my peak, at this time as a bodybuilder um and uh anyway we're at the show and uh as i said seth's mom is behind me and all these people start moshing and by now i'm not into the moshing you know i'm like "Uh, you kids do it i'm in my 30s now i'm done Mm. uh but like they're moshing recklessly and i hate when people do this so they're getting too close to my wife and they're getting too close to seth's mother so i'm like all right ladies just get behind me and what I started to do is anytime someone came too close and even brushed against us, I punched them hard. God, I hate, I hate you. <laughs> fuck you're you, the, dude. you're someone I fucking hate. Fuck dude. you, dude. If no, you're fuck gonna, if, you, man. If you're going to fucking go stand in the back. In the dick pit, hole. There, it's a fucking dive bar. There's nowhere to go. We were as far away as we could go. If these people can't stay in the pit, if they got to swing and not even pay attention to the fact that they're, a guy and they're about to smash into a woman and an old lady. Fuck you. Of course I'm going to fucking deck you. As soon as I start doing that, they didn't have a problem staying in the pit anymore. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I guess you took care of it, but hey, fuck, fuck that dude. Fuck that. I don't care if it's a concert or not. You don't fucking run and smash into old ladies. You're a fucking cunt and I'm going to put you down. I will make you humble, bitch. Okay. Um, they might not have meant to do that. Sometimes things get out of control. You don't know who's yeah. back there. Well, um, they stop. So, well, they learned to stop doing it real fast. Well, they sp- I'm they, glad they everybody learned. They get fucking decked. That's what happens. They should have known better. And it it is what happens. Uh, I've seen vi- pits. <clears throat> pits get very violent. I'm not uh, super into doing a lot of moshing yeah. or or slam dancing but or if you're, uh, but if picking you're it up. Pit, but if you're in the, pit, <clears throat> I have fine. been in my fair share of, of of the mix, if you will. Yeah, well, I did a lot of those pits too back in the day, but I never went like on the edge of the pit and banged into the people that were like standing there just watching the show. You don't do that. That's a dick move. That's a stupid, reckless thing. So 
fuck you. Have some self-control, especially if there's women on, out on this side, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, fuck you. I stand firm mm-hmm. on that. You're fine. I mean, that's fine. No, fuck you. That's, why are you saying fuck me? Because <laughs> you're like, oh, I hate guys like you. No, I'm just saying, like, uh, like you would have probably punched me, and I would have been like, why is this guy punching people? And no one would have known that you're trying to, like, defend women, and because everyone's just rocking out, and then they'd probably be like, why is this old lady here? And they're like, that's my mom, and like, ugh. And then, you know, you're 13 or 16 or 27 I or you're 40. I 13-year-olds. That would, I f- totally forgot that you said you were 34 for this. I, that yeah. would be so hilarious if you were. And just like, bam, <laughs> just like beating the shit out of kids. That was No, awesome. I was not beating the shit out of children. All like, right. okay, this was like, this was like 2011. There were, there were like no kids were into no, anal content in 2011. I was into them back in the day when I was 13. But Yeah, they didn't, they didn't bring the romper room bus to the anal <laughs> cunt show. No, absolutely not. So, absolutely. You know, that is just a funny thing to think about. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but no, fuck that. They deserve that's it. hilarious, dude. That is funny, though. But, but yeah, I know. I know. I do know what it's like to be rip, pulled into a pit that you don't want to be in or or all of a sudden shit happens around you and you're like, fuck. Yeah. Uh, but but, but I, I also am very much have always been like, why are why are you fucking up here? You've got like you're trying to protect your lady. Get the fuck out of here, man. I hated those guys. Mm-hmm. Like just like all um, every well, it's we're in an every man for themselves situation up here. You can't just like well, try yeah, if to you're in the middle things. of the, if you're in the middle of the fucking thing or if you're like right at the front of the stage, you're asking for it. Like you can't just stand there and be like, leave us alone. But when you're as far back as possible and like the pit is mostly uh, away from you, and these guys are just like swinging way too far and like you know, just like uh, pushing into that. the crowd. Well, I- I know that's, that's I, what that's what I'm saying. That's what yeah, I did. Small like, venues. Are, no, I'm not standing in the middle of the crowd and just hating people. Like, how dare you rock out? You know, I'm not like the awesome crusty old. Were, I'm not the crusty old dean. Your, your arms crossed, <laughs> just like fuck you, punching twelve year olds. Just fucking. Yep, yep. Oh God, I love it. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Wow, it was good times. Good times. Good memories. Boy. And then yeah, and then after the show, like the guys and I got together and. uh it was a lot of fun, but then, um, like, it wasn't that much longer until uh, Seth died suddenly, uh, and uh, and you know, one of the weirdest experiences of my life is going to the wake of Seth Putnam of Anal Cunt. That was a very weird experience because <laughs> there were all these like metalheads there, and like everyone was just like, they, uh, just like. Yeah. Not just like uh, like weeping. They're just like this fucking guy, man. What a piece of shit. I love him, you know. Like <laughs> it's like that, you know. And, and like Seth yeah. was dressed in his uh, like motorcycle jacket with all of his like heavy metal buttons on in in the fucking yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was just it was really it was a really crazy weird experience. It was like the most like no one was dressed in like a suit. Everyone was dressed like no, a fucking no, no. like dirt bag, you know. Like everyone's yeah, wearing yeah. like their leather and their like you know heavy metal shirts and you know, tattooed faces and all that. It was fucking great, dude. Well, that's how, yeah, that's how some, some funerals are. People are celebrated like that. Now, Nick P has specifically requested, uh, some kind of a party funeral, but, uh, he does not want a traditional Catholic funeral, but little does he know, or actually he doesn't know. Cause I've told him I've already paid in advance for a traditional 
four hour Catholic funeral, boring as shit for him when he dies. No one will have any fun at his funeral. I have prepaid for this and I will make sure of it. It's one of my, uh, it's one of the things I swear to him. Anyway, good for you. Good for so, you. I'm sure he appreciates that. And you know what? Who wouldn't? Yeah, who wouldn't love that? Rock me Commitment, dude. Everything Catholic is really long and boring, is it not? Oh, it's it's absolutely awful. Catholic weddings, Catholic funerals, Catholic mass, Catholic prayers. The fucking worst. Yeah, my mind. I mean, let's let's abbreviate. Can we get the abridged version at least with their stupid fucking little magic beads and everything? That's just fucking ridiculous. That's that's what those priests turn them into when children come around. I'll tell you that. Well. All right, so uh, like, who else have we seen? Let's talk about some other people. I do have one or two more metal ones. Do you have some metal ones you want to throw in? Hmm. Metal? Or metal. like, okay, so just strictly metal. metal. Just metal, yeah. Okay, so I do have a very good, <laughs> you have a very good story involving uh, one of your favorite artists, Rob Zombie. Uh, I said who, metal, not poser metal. Okay, let's, <laughs> let's, let's calm down. All right. Um, but like I, like I, you know, we know we have this contentious uh, Rob Zombie uh, thing between us. But I do really enjoy him, and I, I did follow I like, like the music. Hellbilly Deluxe like tour. And this was, this was years. This was like he was on a jeans and T-shirt tour, is what he would call it. Like uh, I cannot remember what year this was. I'm sorry, but it had to. Okay, it was pre 2012 because I was with my wife, ex-wife, and uh, we got divorced after that. So like maybe 2010, let's say. I'm uh, Rob Zombie's coming to town to like a mid-level venue uh, and he's doing like a stripped down show and I, I uh, myself and my my friend uh, who shall remain nameless for the story is going to meet me there um, at the venue and we're going to buy scalp tickets like because it's sold out and we don't have tickets so like, eh, we'll just buy tickets when we get there no problem we do this all the time so I get there before him and I buy the tickets. I'm like, I, I get somebody like right away. I'm like, Hey, let me get to yeah, All right, cool. So I get them and I, and then it, this like venue where it's situated, it's right next to a hard rock cafe that's in Houston. So I go in there to wait for my friend and I sit at the bar and I'm like, I'm feeling like, you know, I'm like Johnny fucking rock and roll. So immediately I'm like shot in a beer. But this was in the days when I thought that like drinking Jägermeister was a good idea. Uh, <laughs> so definitely not. <laughs> and the people at Hard Rock Cafe thought it was a good idea as well because it was a special. And so uh, I was uh, drinking some Jaeger. So I, like I said, I, I'm already a couple few deep. Like before my buddy gets there, he gets there, then he starts getting drunk. We're like. Uh, the coffin cats are the opening band. We're like, eh, we don't see the opening band. Ironically, like, you know, 10 years later, I end up opening for the coffin cats, uh, in Beaumont, Texas, but that's a different story. So we missed that. And we're like, all right, they're about to start. We're, we're, we're like pounding, just like drinking beers. We're having a good old time. Mm-hmm. We go like, you know, it, we walk right out of the, the restaurant and the, the doors are right there. I mean, we're right there and we walk up and there's no line anymore. And they like scan the tickets, uh, to let us in, and they're like, "Whoa, stop! Hold on, these tickets have been scanned already." And I'm like, oh. "What?" 
like, yeah, nope, nope, stand back, stand back. These tickets have been used already. And we're like, I'm like, what do you mean these tickets have been used already? And I was like, nope, nope. And they're like, they post back. I was like, fuck. I bought, like, they dubbed, like, somebody, this wow. is yeah, So Wow, what you know, a bastard. Listen, it, it gets fucking better. So we're like, fuck, what are we going to do? And, like, we decide uh, that we're going to just go all in. We're already here. We'll try to buy some more scalp tickets, right? <laughs> so... Because it worked out so well the first time. Well, so we're standing like around the box office area in front down and around this. And this this venue is is one of those things that's part of like a huge block that they've built. That's like restaurant connected to this thing, connected to a movie theater. You know, it's like this huge complex in the middle of downtown Houston. And so there's, you know, people meandering and we find somebody that's selling tickets and he's talking to us. Right. And this guy's like, I got, I got these two tickets. What do y'all need? And we was like, we just need two general admission. And he's like, I got them right here. We're like, uh, I also got some nice gold watches. Check it out. Well, well, look at, so my buddy, <laughs> so my buddy like sidles up is next to him. I'm in front of him. My buddy's next to him. He's like, let me see the tickets. And the guy's like, whoa, whoa, let me see some money. And he's like, dude, we just got ripped off. We already are uh, into this for a lot of money. I just want to see them to make sure they're not fake. And the guy's like, all right. So he gives the tickets to my friend. I swear to God, like passes them to him. He's looking at them. And as he does that, as they're in his hand, from behind this guy that gave him the tickets comes the arm of a police officer who grabs that guy and pulls him back and says, I already told you about this. And pulls him away. Tickets are still in my friend's hand. <laughs> and he just turns and says, let's go. Yep. And so we walk. <laughs> Run! <laughs> so we walk, we walk right up to the thing, scan them, we get in, we're like, oh my God. And so oh, now wow. we're drunk yeah. as shit and elated that we've pulled off some master fucking some, heist. Some, a heist. <laughs> something masterfully has happened, right? So, you know, we go down, we're in the in the general admission, it's standing room only, and we're in there and we're just hyped up and having a good time and we're talking and then people around us start talking to us because we're very gregarious. And uh my my we're waiting like Rob Zombie to to come out and my buddy is like he pulls he has like a pack of cigarettes. He doesn't even smoke cigarettes, but in the pack of cigarettes he has some rolled joints. Mm-hmm. And he pulls one of them out. And he's like, oh, let's smoke a joint real quick before the show has started. So, you know, the house lights are on, not necessarily recommended, but we start smoking this joint. So through the fucking crowd, a security guy comes up to us and is like, hey, hey, guys, put that out. Can't do that in here. All right. No smoking and definitely can't be smoking that in here. All right. Just so just put it out and be done with it. Well, that's pretty nice. And we're like, all right, cool. No problem. So my but this is the level of like intoxication and just like uh, i mean where you're like like drunk on power i guess i don't know douchevaggery i think it's called (laughs) as soon as so we put oh yeah absolutely sorry put the joint out as soon as he leaves he walks away my buddy who doesn't even smoke cigarettes goes to like continue what he's saying to these people we're talking to and as he's talking he takes the pack of cigarettes out of his breast pocket Opens it up, takes a cigarette out, puts the cigarette in his mouth. I'm just talking, lights the cigarette. Anyway, you know, anyway, so I said he takes a drag of it from out of nowhere. 
comes an arm behind him mm-hmm. that is the security guard that just told us just not to smoke sold him, and yeah. says, he says, what did I, I, he's like, I just told you, man, you're out of here and grabs yeah. him and just dragging him through. And I'm like going after him, like what, what, what? And he's like pulling him. He's like, your buddy's out of here. He's out of here. And like throws him out. And I like go out in the smoking, like balcony thing where I can like talk to him. Like, what do I do? I mean, I got to And he's like, He's like, stay in there. I'll, I'll, I'm going to get back in. I was like, you can't get back in. And he's like, just stay. I was like, should I go? And he's like, stay. I don't know. So I, uh, I no, end up, go fuck him. <laughs> I end up going back into it, the dude. show. I end up going back into the show yeah. and, uh, and I watch the show with this very, like, uh, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm very under the influence, but I have this small, like burning guilt thing in the back of like very far back where I'm like, man, I feel bad, dude. Like, cause I assume that he just went home, you know, he never showed back up to the show. So after the show, I walk out, I go to my car, go home, I get in bed and, uh, it's extremely late and I have to, uh, Oh, are you frozen? No. Okay. So I have to, I, I also like am working at Starbucks at this time and I have to open the next day, which, you know, I had to get up at 4am. So it was like very like stupid, so I'm all it's already super late. I just get home like 1 a.m. Maybe I'm drifting off to sleep 1 30. My phone starts ringing and it's my friend's wife. And uh, I answer, and that's the only reason I answer. I'm like, hello. And she's like, hey, do you know? Oh, are my you, God. Are, she's like, are you with so and so and so like her husband? And I was like, tell me eight security guards. I said, no, not. I said, no, not right now. Oh. I'm home already. Oh. And she's like, so he's not with you at all? And I was like, he was with you earlier? I was like, he was with me earlier, but he's not with me now. And she's like, okay, I think he's in jail. And I was like, oh, why? Because I just got a collect call from the jail. And I was like, (laughs) well, of course it's him. You fucking uh, idiot. (laughs) Of course it's him. (laughs) Who else is going to call you collect from the jail? So then I'm like, like, oh, fuck, man. So I can like barely (laughs) sleep. So I just kind of like stay up. And then I go to work and go through all this like shit and he it turns out he finally gets out in the evening and calls me and tells me what's up but it turns out after that the police tell him outside of the venue that they the security has said like this guy is kicked out can't come back the police that are out there are like hey you have to go it's like okay like i said this is like a kind of a complex like a you know weird like square complex around a block so he just like goes around the corner and <laughs> He sits there and uh, he buys another ticket from a scalper. Of course course he does. And walks back around the corner with it and walks up to the door to get it scanned. And they immediately arrest him. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's an idiot, dude. Like he's immediately arrest him. (laughs) No, no, he was drunk, dude. They immediately arrest him for like a a, a D or P a what is that PI like public intoxication and yeah. trespassing or whatever, because they yeah. kicked him out. So he had to like spend the night in the, like the drunk tank and shit. And, uh, that's what it's for. That was my Rob. Zombie. <laughs> that was, one of, that was a memorable Rob zombie story. Well, well uh, how was Rob zombie? But did he give a good show? <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, dude. It was yeah. cause it was awesome because it was a stripped down show. Like I said, it was without all the pageantry and it was oh, just rock. That's, roll. Too bad, though. that's too bad. Cause I heard oh, he puts yeah, on, yeah. Well, no, really. I heard oh. he puts on like a great, like, no, he like does put on Alice Cooper know. type of show, oh, like right. where he has all sorts of crazy shit. Yeah. But these guys, but they, but they were just like rocking out. This was yeah. just like, 
Oh no, that's like, cool too. That's cool too. It that's, was cool. I, I thought that, it was cool. You know, like it's funny you mentioned that. It's a perfect segue for what I was going to talk about because I, uh, I saw Alice Cooper uh, twice. Oh, I thought you were going to say you saw Kiss Unmasked. No, no, no. <laughs> well, I did not. I, I saw was, Alice Cooper once. I, I saw him twice, and uh, uh, so I win. Uh, but <laughs> but no, anyway, uh, this this was huge. For me, this is this was a big deal because Alice Cooper, I credit with getting me into like dark, evil metal. Like before uh, his album uh, Trash came out, which I still consider one of my favorite albums of all time, top ten. Uh, and I first heard Poison, that was my introduction to him. Um, just changed my life. Like I would, I had just gotten into metal, you know, because I was like twelve, right? I had just gotten into metal, like, but my metal was like. Def Leppard, Bon Jovi, you know, uh, and that kind of stuff, which was amazing to me, blew my mind. Um, great stuff. But then came Alice, and it was like this darker, heavier version of of that kind of arena metal that I started just started listening to. Uh, so Alice Cooper has been a enormous influence on me. Uh, one of my favorite uh, rock gods of all time. So when I finally got to see him, it was like 1994 and he had just released the last temptation, uh, which, uh, was kind of like a segue album of him getting out of the like glam metal era after he did, um, poison, uh, I mean, trash and, uh, Hey stupid, uh, those two albums, which are actually my favorite Cooper albums. I know that's blasphemy to a lot of the people who like the older stuff, but that was the stuff that was my introduction to him. So I have a big nostalgia attached to it. But anyway, I, I, I saw the show, me and my buddy or uh, Creston were like right at the front of the stage. Uh, we're so stoked cause he loves Alice Cooper too. Uh, and it's at the house of blues in Orlando, which is a stupid cheesy place to see anything. But it was still, it was so awesome to uh, to see Alice Cooper. And he puts on this amazing show. Like, it starts off, and there's this, like, creepy circus music playing. And, like, he has these evil clowns running around on stage and running through the audience. Um, and, by the way, before Rob Zombie, before Gwar, Alice Cooper did this. Alice Cooper invented, like, the horror show. Absolutely. Uh, well, And yeah, Rob Zombie yeah. absolutely says he's inspired by Oh, no, yeah, Alice totally. Cooper. No, no, he, no, he is. He's, he's said that many times. Uh, and he actually, he's open for Alice Cooper and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, Alice really invented this shit. And yeah, like he came out. Taken a lot from vaudeville. From what yeah. He was very yeah, good. Yeah. Vaudeville, he so. was, he was. Um, but he comes out and like, you know, he does this whole crazy show with like, and like, for those who don't know, he does like certain songs where he does certain things. Like he has a song called I Love the Dead. And he usually like, it has like a dead body that he's like singing to and feeling up. And then as his punishment for it. Uh, he gets like hung or beheaded. In this case, he got mm -hmm. beheaded. They bring out a guillotine yep. and they do this whole skit. And like, you know, he, it looks like he got his head chopped off. And, and of course, they like pull this fake Alice Cooper head out of it. And it, like the blood was squirting out of the mouth and like squirting all over everybody. Oh, it was fucking beautiful. And then you punched it. And then I, and then I punched it. I was like, fuck <laughs> you, spitting on me. Alice Cooper face. fake head. Fuck you, dude. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, so. But it was it was it, one of the things. That it, first of all, it was probably the best show I've ever seen in my life because it was such an over the top production where he had like these like all these people on stage, not just the band, but like these girls singing back up on Poison, and they were dressed like like evil nurses and stuff. Um, but he but then like you know the show is coming to a close and he does schools out. That's his big closer, and like mm -hmm. all of these giant beach balls are just falling from nowhere. 
uh, and like when they pop, it's just confetti flying through the air. And he's throwing like he and the other people are throwing rubber chickens into the audience. It was absolute bedlam. It was fantastic. And uh, through the whole show, there was this fucking prick, right? Who was like in the audience, and he was like a f- like a few people down from me, so I couldn't get to him and beat his ass like he deserved. But mm. like Alice Cooper was throwing like these cheap plastic canes and stuff, and uh, I I caught one, but then like I slipped and I kind of dropped it. And he like ran and like grabbed it like real fast because it like bounced and went down the road. And he grabbed it real fast, and he not only did do that, but he like looked at me like ha ha, and I was like you motherfucker, I'm gonna get you, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and like he did this kind of shit to other people throughout the show where like like one of the balloons popped and someone was just trying to grab like a little broken balloon and he snatched it away before they could grab it, you know? Oh, wow. And I was like, this guy needs to die. But um, anyway, um, I got him, even though I didn't get to find him after the show and beat him up. Um, I got him anyway, because what happened is uh, school's out is over. You know, the show's over. But everyone was like cheering, waiting for the encore. And uh, so Alice comes out and he's dressed in like this sequenced fucking shirt and everything. And he's got Elvis shades on and he does uh, Jailhouse Rock. He does a cover oh, of Jailhouse nice. Rock. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. Yeah. Nice. Um, and at the time, um, I, I, I had like fucking black hair and I had like these big sideburns. So I guess he like I always had the big sideburns, you know, but I actually dyed my hair black back then. I was into the cave and shit. So I had dyed black hair. Um and so anyway, he sees me, and I guess because of the appearance, like the sideburns of black hair, he kind of like zeroes in on me, and he's like singing, and he's like sticks his hand out, and he's like shaking his hand and stuff, and I'm doing the same thing, and I actually got to like touch Alice Cooper, you know? Nice. And I turned, and when it was over, I turned and looked at the guy, and I was like, ha ha, and like gave him the finger, and he was like so outraged, because like he got this little chintzy fucking cane, but I got to actually touch the god himself. So yeah, wherever he is, I hope he's dead. Fuck that guy. Uh, yeah, I but uh, he's dead. Thank you, thank you. But the second show I saw was when he came out with the eyes of Alice Cooper, where he wanted to get back to rock basics. So kind of like what you're saying, the stripped down show that Zombie mm. did. That's what Cooper did, and I was kind of embarrassed because I took my girlfriend at the time. Uh, who hadn't been at that last show. I was like, oh, you got to see it. It's crazy. There's all this stuff and demons and chicks and beheading. He did nothing of that. He just did the music. Just and rock. I was kind of like, I was like, I, oh, fuck. I was like so embarrassed, you know, because like, she was like, where's the show, dipshit? You know? Damn. So then I punched her in the face. No, I'm kidding. Nice. Okay. I didn't do that. <laughs> didn't do that. But um, um, I did almost get in a fight at that show. <laughs> I yeah I I'm gonna stand by my earlier comment of like I'm not a fan of you of you at shows during that point in time you definitely would have punched me in the face no this, I feel this like this wasn't at that time this is just how it always was from like 14 to now I'm like, not going to any shows with you ever no um I, 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 I won't get into that story but I really did almost get into a fight to the point where the security guy came and broke us up me and this other guy who was uh uh, I, I, I won't get into it. It's, I don't want. You're to looking for trouble, dude. You're, no, you're just I, no, looking for trouble. I'm not. But trouble troubles me, and I trouble trouble. And you heard nice. it right here on Vital Social Listeners and stuff. That's a that and that's exclusive. So I know, like we're going, we we tend to go long, so we're going a little bit long. And I feel yes. like uh, I want to bring it maybe to do. We, should we do like our culmination show? Maybe do we want to drop like a big one? Or uh, to go out on, you think, or uh, or what do you think? Um, well, I have a lot of really other cool ones that I wanted. To I mean, I could show. go on for this for 
a lot longer. Okay, well, we can just rattle them off real fast and just say all the cool shit we saw. But, I mean, yeah. And we, uh, we could save one really cool one. I'm going to save my really cool one for the end that okay. you're going to love. Well, I had a really but cool... I'm let sorry, me but... talk now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me tell a story. Yeah, a, no. a real quick story. Um, if we're talking about real quick, like, uh, I went to... Like, there used to be this uh, dive uh, venue in Houston called The Abyss, um, that was on a street called Washington, which has since been turned into like a uh, club central. Like that street is not where you would hang out, uh, now, uh, if you were myself. Uh, so, but, uh, this venue was, was legendary and I went there. Uh, I actually went there to see, uh, MXPX, which is a punk band. And then they were opening for Everclear. Which I was also like, I like Everclear, and like I don't know if you remember them. Like I can uh, live beside the ocean, fire behind. So this is like 1997-98, probably. And so I go to this show, and uh, Everclear. When Everclear comes out to start playing, this is like a this is a small venue, you know. This is like a shotgun type venue, like it, and it it had like a a floor that went like down on like a slant, you know. Like that's how like it was like a a a, a very um I mean like a small slant, but a slant nonetheless to the to the thing. And these uh, when as soon as Everclear comes out, these two girls get on the the shoulders of these gentlemen, mm-hmm. and they're right next to each other. And uh, they're so they're up there on the shoulders, and they immediately start to then make out with each other. Oh, the beautiful! Two, the two ladies do, and I mean, this is from the jump, dude. Mm-hmm. It's like, and and it's not like everyone's like, and we're like a woo, you know, thinking it's gonna, it doesn't stop. Nice. They take off their shirts. Wow, beautiful. Continue to make out. Everclear's up there playing, and it's not like like I'm saying, and <laughs> no small, one's watching. Them. It's a small <laughs> venue, so it's not like they don't know like what's happening. Right. These girls keep making out, bras gone. Mm-hmm. They and they are just go like they're going to town in a way that they are in another place. Like they're they might as well be on their own planet of love for each other or something. Mm-hmm. And these guys on their shoulder, like, the shoulders are just like lifting them to heaven or something. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Like the 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 singer even like calls it out like okay, this is uh I mean we're trying to do our show. Uh, what are you guys do? like you know well, trying like a, a half like a half joke but like but really I, sit the fuck down. <laughs> I wish I wish that I was uh, embellishing when I said that this went on for their entire set uh, because it it absolutely did. And, you know, a set, you know, a set's like 45 minutes, you know, 50 minutes, you know, especially for like that level of an act. They're not going to come out and play an hour and a half. Come on, give me a break. Um, So like these girls like just toplessly made out for an entire Everclear set, after which I drove straight home and jerked off so fucking much that it was like I was like, I could not wait to get home. I was like Everclear, Everclear, what the (laughs) hell? (laughs) 
Like, that's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is you but, I, like, but I've never been to a show where something like that happened. Like, I've been to many shows where, like, you know, metal shows where girls take their tops off. And, like, I mean, that's a thing of the past for sure now. Absolutely. Unfortunately, yes. Um, but, like. That's why the world sucks so hard. To, to, to that degree, it was, it was such a challenge. It was almost like they were challenging the, the act of, like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, right. you think you're going to play some songs? Well, look at us. Like, That's what I was, was going to uh, say is you did the impossible is you made me want to go to an Everclear concert. <laughs> which is like I never thought I'd say that in my life. So yeah, like that's that's fantastic, man. How was, could uh, it, it was insane, dude. Yeah. No, that's insane. That's insane. Uh about to rattle a few off real fast. I wanted to go through my country jamboree. Um I think I mentioned some of these before on the show, but I'm going to say it anyway. I, I saw Johnny Cash when I was 18. Everyone's very jealous of me about that. I saw him before his uh Right before his big comeback with American Records, uh, he was so unpopular at the time that Columbia actually dropped him as a as an artist. If you can believe that, it's true. Uh, so when I saw him, there was maybe eighty people in the room at, at the most, and like it was it was a very small crowd. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was it was pretty amazing. Um, and then uh, later on in life, I got to see some of my other country here uh, country heroes. I saw Willie Nelson. Uh, and I saw David Allen Coe and Billy Joe Shaver all like year after year. It was just like from 2010 to 2012. It was like, boom, boom, boom. I saw one every year, uh, all great shows, all really cool, uh, shows to see. Um, so I just wanted to rattle through that real fast, uh, that, that was, that I'm so glad I got to see the, uh, these guys. Uh, I never got to see Waylon Jennings, but otherwise I saw all like the big dudes, uh, in country that I really love. Oh yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, I, I saw Willie Nelson at a um, voodoo festival one year in New Orleans, mm-hmm. um, which is also one of the stories, uh, just a quick story, like in 2001, when Tool put out the album Lateralis, uh, that was their first album in a long time, and they the closest that they were coming to Houston was New Orleans for the voodoo music festival, so not even their own thing so myself like and like myself and my girlfriend at the time and and two other people that worked at the starbucks i worked at bought the bought tickets and drove to new orleans and all put in to like do this and they played of course last and you know we got there and it's it's like it's just a sea of people in this huge field yeah. we, we yeah. were we were but we were relatively close you know we planned ahead um but i just remember like tool was playing and they're a band that like they go into these crazy like you know tangents of music and they have like weird uh like uh like what am i thinking of uh they have people dancing like uh and just like weird kind of uh artistic what am i thinking of what is that word i'm thinking of i have no uh idea. you know performance art performative art things going on while they're while they're doing the show so it's not just like you're looking at the band up there rocking out there's like people from the rafters do like there's crazy shit and i just remember them playing and they just like immediately captured the attention of the entire fucking crowd to where like uh, like maybe 20 or so minutes in i just i i was look i was staring at them and i stopped and i just turned and looked to the side and looked behind me at all the people Mm. And everyone was absolutely still, silent, watching the stage. 
Like it was that much of like a uh, yeah, it's that like, good. No, no one was like jumping around doing mm-hmm. like no one was doing anything but watching what the hell was going on in stage. And that was like I was like, whoa, I've never seen anything like that before. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. That is cool. That is cool. Um, I did have uh, some other uh, interesting shows that I saw. Um, of course, there was plenty of other bands that I saw that really made me happy. I saw Grinder Man uh, live, so that I finally got to see Nick Cave, who I loved. Uh, I st- well, still love, um, but that was really cool. I got to see Grinder Man. Um, I saw plenty of. Uh, I saw several uh, stand-up shows by Henry Rollins, although I never saw Rollins Band, uh, which I would have loved to see. Oh, dude, um, I did. I did get to see Rollins Band. Yeah, and Nick almost had me killed by Henry Rollins at that band at that show. <laughs> and we yeah. also Nick and I also drove like have driven through Texas to different cities to see his uh, spoken word shows. Well, how did you end up almost getting killed by Henry Rollins? Because I hear he, this. he like he was trying to tell Henry Rollins like up front that like you need to kick this guy's ass like to and like pointing at me like I was the skinny white dude like it was fucking stu- it was just Nick being stupid like right, and, right. You know, waiting for him to come out like. This was uh, during the time of like shortly after Liar. So, yeah. you know, Henry Rollins is hugely ripped and just right, comes right. out. This is a small venue in Houston. And he's mm-hmm. like, ha, 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 ha. Just like yeah. so intimidating. Uh, and uh, his guitar player uh, at the time had a, a very Stevie Ray Vaughan flair to where he dressed exactly like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Uh, it was him. It was down him. to the hat yeah yeah he was, he was <laughs> pretending but yeah i did get to see i'm sorry i'd interrupt there but i did oh, get okay. to see because i love I like, henry rollins like books i have his books oh and, yeah like, me too i've dude. seen yeah. a lot of his uh i've seen several of his spoken word shows might i say I uh, see play. like uh, this is how much I, I love the guy too um i got into him when i was young i mean i got into him like when before the whole liar thing and uh and I was like so, so like enamored with him and his album, The End of Silence. And then I started to buy his other stuff, which was his spoken word albums. And then I bought some of the books and everything. Uh, and I ended up writing to him, you know, because uh, he had like 21361 publications. His publishing house had a P.O. box. Yeah. Um, and so Did I you ask him- if he was accepting uh, submissions? No, no, I'm like, I'm like 15 years old. And then oh. I was just writing to him being like, you're awesome. Like, you know, your music is so badass. And, <clears throat> and, you know, I told him a little bit about my life and like how fucked up it was. You know, I was just like, and this that music helps me get through, man. You know, it helps me stay strong. And he wrote me back. He wrote oh. me back, dude. I, here I am 15 years old and I get a postcard from my idol, you know. And, you still have it? Oh, of course I still have it. Yeah. Awesome. No, I still have, and and he's like, "Hey, Chris, thanks for the for the letter. I'm really glad you like what me and the band are doing." And he was like, "Stay tough. You know, your age is rough, but you'll be okay. You know." And it was just really a, an awesome thing that he did. <clears throat> and yeah, well, he he'd had a hard life too, so he definitely he did he did. Went. But like like to take the time to write a fucking yeah. postcard. This is before email and shit. Like people actually had to sit down, write something by hand, and put a stamp on it and put it in the mailbox. You know, he did that. Um, most rock stars now, they won't even answer your fucking email, you know? So, uh, that was really cool. Um, I answer everybody's email, by the way. Yes. Yes. Uh, I try. Uh, no, I do. I do. Even um, the ones that ask me for my man, meat, milk, meat, man, milk, man, meat. Yes. Um, but 
years, years, not too long later, like five years later or something, I read a book of his and he had a, uh, an essay in it called The Iron, uh, which was all about his uh, interest in weightlifting and how he got into it and everything. And it inspired me so much that I became a weightlifter. He was my biggest inspiration lifting in becoming a weightlifter. Was that the one where he, when he started, he wouldn't look at himself in the mirror for so for all that time, just while he was working out, because he was just like, I'm not going to. Yeah. Is it that essay? Is that the same one I'm thinking? I don't know if that or? was the same. I've read so many of his books; they all kind of blend together. But that essay, uh, I, I specifically the Iron, uh, he wrote it for some magazine, uh, but he ended up putting it in one of his books, and that's why I read it, and I was just like, whoa! And uh, I picked up a weight and never stopped. I, yeah, was like that's tw- cool. I was like 20 years old. Yeah. Nice. I do have a, a lot. Yeah. I think I have all of Henry Rollins books because uh, when we worked next to the Barnes and Noble, Nick P and I, we could order everything we wanted. So I made sure I got all of them when they came out. So, uh, and I do have like, he even gave me, like, Nick gave me a recently a, uh, I, I sound like Nick is my husband. Like, Nick you gave do. me you, recently. You never stop talking uh, about him, dude. I just, I love him so much. He gave me a hardback cover of Get in the Van, which is Henry Rollins' diaries from right. when he was on tour with Black Flag uh, when they first went. Yeah, uh, uh, that was uh, international Emmy, tours. And shit, Emmy-winning uh, spoken word album. And and you want to think like, or Grammy? I'm if sorry, you're Grammy. a touring band, if you're a touring band, and you think like, oh man, this sucks. Like, read that fucking mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. Read that book. Like sleeping in a wet, cold shack basically like that's where you're sleeping with no food and before you go have to play where everyone just spits on you and throws beer bottles at you and then you go to the next show without a meat like it's insane like it's like it's crazy it's a crazy like henry rollins or not whether you do like that's a pretty interesting like touring uh snapshot for the time no totally totally is uh, so to continue to kind of like just go through them real fast, uh, uh, I saw John Carpenter. That was the last show that I saw, and that was a few years back, like at least three years ago. Um, and that was huge to me to see John Carpenter. He's my favorite filmmaker, big influence on me as far as being a storyteller. And just being, and like I saw him on his anthology tour, so he was playing a lot of the music uh, from his movies, uh, yeah. which was really, really cool to see him play the theme to Big Trouble in Little China and Salt Art Precinct 13 and et cetera. Uh, so that was, that was pretty bitchin'. And that was the last one I saw. Like, I don't really go to shows much anymore because I just, as we've established, I get really angry at them and end up fighting. And I'm 43 years old and I can't be doing that anymore. When you're 17, they kind of let it go. But uh, when you're 43, they put you in jail. So, um, but I, uh, I wanted to mention just a, a couple of other ones that were kind of interesting. Uh, in 1999, uh, I saw Isaac Hayes in concert. Nice. Yeah, it was really, really cool, dude. <laughs> and Truck I saw- Turner himself. Yeah, yeah, and I just, I really liked the guy, you know, and uh, loved his music, you know, Hot Buttered Soul was one, like, such a great album, Uh, and I went to it with my girlfriend, and we were the only white people in the entire place, which was kind of funny, you know, yeah, it was pretty funny, we were at the Tallahassee Urban League, it was a fundraiser, Um, and uh, and I, I remember we were at the show and everything, and not only were the only white people, but we were the only people that were like under 35, <laughs> you know, we were like in our twenties. So here's these two young white people with all these older, you know, uh, African-Americans and, uh, Isaac Hayes comes out. He, t- he does an amazing show. He's totally awesome. Rest in power. Um, 
He's, Rest in power. He's absolutely great, and he's he's. It was the biggest band that I've ever seen live. You know, he has like someone playing every possible instrument. He has a whole orchestra there, basically, yeah. uh, and he's at the piano and playing and singing. Uh, and he does the whole show, and it's great. But then it gets to the end, and he says, "He says this is so funny." He's like, "All right, I know there's one more song I got to do if I'm going to get out of here alive." And then it's just like, "Don't, don't, 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 don't," and like the beginning of Shaft starts to play. You know, the theme to Damn. Shaft. Yeah, and it's just like. And he gets up and he's like holding an orchestra, uh, a conductor's wand, and he's like orchestrating one b- member of the band at a time, like kicking in the, kicking in this, kicking in that, like you know the bass and the drum and then the sax button and just on and on, and uh, and like when he finally turns around and goes, "Who's the fast, sexy guy?" Like when he first does the first line, everyone was, comes. Everyone <clears throat> exploded. I've never seen an audience go more crazy. And like I said, I've been at death metal shows with with mosh pits. Uh, right in front of us were these two little old ladies. They were like 60s, like 65, 70 years old, no joke. And it was really funny because like they like he would be singing a song and they would be like talking to him when he said the lyrics. You know, yeah. he he was singing like by the time I get to Phoenix, and he's like, By the time I get to Phoenix, they'll be rising. And and they're like, Yes, baby, I know it. You know, they were like talking talking to him. It was awesome, you know. But when he f- started to shaft. They bolted up like a couple of like twelve year old girls at a new kids concert, dude. They were just like, bah! they just lost their fucking minds. It was fantastic. Everybody was on their feet. Uh, burned the fucking house down when he did Chef, dude. It was incredible. Nice. It was incredible. Uh, yeah, I, I'll never forget that. Uh, did you have another one you want to throw in there? Any, um, any more I, fun I, stories? I I have a um. So I, I have two I want, more. Two more. I, 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 I want to go out on two more. I'm gonna go out on two. Okay, good. Um, I'll go out on two more as well because there's plenty of others I could get to, but I'm trying to stick with the ones that have funny stories to go along with them. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could have like many episodes about this. Yes. But yes. Did I did I already talk about how on this show about how uh, my my uh, drummer Chris made like made the guacamole for Jack White? So we got no. Go ahead and tell it. We didn't talk about that. Okay. Uh, so we have this thing, or we did have this thing uh, in Houston called the Free Press Summerfest. Um, and then there was like a another version of it that happened in the winter. But I'm pretty sure the guy that ran it got me too uh, So we don't have it anymore. But um, Which will happen to us very soon. God willing, <laughs> and the creek don't rise. But so this was like one of those things is is, a, is like a three-day festival and it took place in uh this huge park in the middle of downtown called eleanor tinsley eleanor tinsley park mm-hmm. um and it had many like stages where it was one of those things where it was like three main stages uh like three like mid-level stages and then like a hundred local and other stages and then vendors it's huge right <clears throat> so uh my uh my drummer and bandmate chris jet is a uh he went he's a he's an executive chef like he went to school for uh for that he's been an executive chef at several restaurants now he is a stay-at-home dad uh taking care of his kids and rocking out with me in a band but that is his like skill and profession so 
one of his best friends happens to work for uh, happened to work for the company that was running like the talent booking and all taking care of this entire event. Mm-hmm. So his uh, his it was like his friend and her husband like they were like the main big swing and dicks in talent right. coordination. Right. So so she is in charge of. Uh, like one of the things she's in charge of is the writers. So Jack White had this, and this there was an article about this about that happened at Oklahoma State University. Well, real quick, explain what writers are for those who may not know. A writer is something that when you're a performer, uh, you know, in a band or any kind, I guess any capacity, and you're performing in a theater or club. Uh, and you have a contract where they they will provide these things to you in your green room or backstage area uh, that you put well, on this list, and it's called a writer. Well, it's also uh, like certain amps or other equipment that they're not bringing with them, so it's, it's also everything. performance stuff too. Yeah, yeah, it's everything you want. Um, it's it's the whole thing. Yeah, it's the equipment. But this particular, uh, she was in charge of what they were going to have on the writer in their green room. And one of the things that Jack White has on his writer is uh, a, guacam- a request for guacamole made to his recipe that he has, which is weird because his recipe does not include onions. Uh, which, yeah, it's... What a freak. Anyway, anyway so because <laughs> of that request, this, this friend of, my, of Chris's was able to hire him to make that guacamole and but his payment was two artist passes for him and myself he and myself to come and spend the day at the mm-hmm. the festival as right. an artist basically oh. so we get that like we we dude like from the get this was like holy shit you know like when Wayne, in Wayne's world when they get to go backstage this is like a hundred times to this because we got to even drive around to, you know, there's traffic like it's crazy to try to park and get to this thing. We get like to drive around to this back area and just park behind a stage mm. and get we get out. We get these fucking laminates and they give us access to everything. This is full stage access and full backstage access. So we have access to all of the beer craft services, nice. everything. And we can watch every show from the side of the stage. Like we can just walk up onto the stage. Nice. Which we take full fucking advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, I immediately, as uh, soon as we get there and get settled, immediately take like seven grams of mushrooms and take my shirt <laughs> off because it is so hot in the middle of the summer. And then so you started shirt, making out with another girl. My shirt is gone. <laughs> I mean, almost. My shirt is gone and left me. I'm in the backstage tent, like just filling two beers at once, talking to the cops back there, just like, yeah, man, and fucking blah, blah, blah. Uh, it was amazing. We go on stage uh, for uh, Lauren Hill was performing. And I'm not necessarily like a Lauren Hill fan or anything, but she's pretty big deal that she's performing. And I was like, hey, let's go up on the stage and watch. And like, Chris is like, I don't think we should. And I was like, dude. We have all access. If we're not supposed to be there, someone yeah. will tell us to fucking leave. But for yeah, now, until baby. somebody says that, I'm up there. And he's like, okay. So Does this end up- with you buying scalped tickets <laughs> to get back no. in? <laughs> no. But we go so we go onto the stage, uh, on the side of the stage where Lauren Hill's performing. 
if you don't know who Lauren Hill is, she was in the Fugees. She's an amazing singer, but she has like some problematic beliefs. But um, she has like this. The full setup is fucking amazing. Like she has. We're we're directly behind these three like kind of duop backs backup singers that she has like solid gold style girls that are like in matching dresses with these huge afros just like singing in harmony with her and dancing we're right behind them um but the whole stage like where we are is populated by uh you know family and friends i imagine of the band and people that work there uh all of them are dressed to the nines. Like all the men are wearing suits. All of the women backstage are wear on the side of very are wearing very nice dresses. They're very put up, put together, made up. Also, like all of them are black. Chris and I are the only white people mm. on the side of the stage. Not only that. And they're all, like I said, they're all dressed nice. And you guys I have no, no shirt shirts. on. <laughs> I have no shirt on, covered in tattoos, big sunglasses with a smile, with a mushroom smile plastered on my face. I'm holding two, I'm holding a beer in each hand. Behind me, they're like, is who my, are these homeless? Behind people? me is my, like, is my butt, my also white friend who has his shirt on, but just as heavily tattooed as me. Carrying also two beers, standing behind the backup singers, just watching and looking out like the the fields full of people. It was amazing. It was uh that was that was fucking they, amazing. They probably like, thought you were homeless people that that wandered in. Yeah, we had the laminate. Then we had our passes on. They dude. thought you were we, homeless people that mugged people who had the laminates. <laughs> no, hey, but you know what? No one said anything to yeah. us, and no one told us to leave. Well, with all the tattoos and stuff, they probably thought you were in a band, you know. So we are, we were, we are in a band. Well, that's what I'm saying. Just they, they, they thought you were in a band. Yeah. But dude, let me tell you this: like, we got back also access to like their back, like village, like the artist village and shit, where like it's, it's like a little thing where you can just go up to these windows and get whatever you want. I mean, they might as well be giving you drugs and shit. It's just like, oh. I'm it was it was badass and that ruined me dude i will never go to another festival unless i have all access again yeah, right. that's it <laughs> that's it but well uh, i i did want to say that i saw uh tom jones in vegas and that's all i really need to say i saw tom okay. jones in las vegas i mean i mean pretty on the nose you know well i mean we i mean we got to see dantward also from their stage um South Dantward, the South African, like uh, kind of uh, horror rap, like not like a horror, but just like a hip hop group. You know, I, I think you're freaky and I like you a lot. You don't know that. You don't know. You don't know these at all, man. No, was I don't it know. Cloud Dantward? They were. They're Didn't like. Did I just say that I went to see Tom Jones in Vegas? Dude. Yeah, I'm fucking old, dude. No, I, they I are nuts. Vegas. Yeah, I don't know. And it was awesome to see them from the side of the stage uh, as well, and. uh I don't know. Yeah, that was that was badass. But Tom Jones, I'm sure, like, dude, it's amazing. Paint. He's like he was like 70, and like beautiful young women were still throwing their panties at him. Mm. It's amazing. Yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, I also got to see Motorhead and a couple of like Reverend Horton Heat opened for them. It was a that was a pretty wild show too. Loudest show I've ever seen. Um, even though I went to all those death metal shows growing up, Motorhead was incredibly loud. Uh, and They're I famous have, for being loud. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, rest in peace, Lemmy. Uh, there's fucking amazing, amazing show. Rest in power, Lemmy. Lemmy is yeah. God. 
Absolutely. Um, and a friend of mine got kicked out of that too, for the same for similar type of bullshit where we showed like he got, he pregame so much. He was utterly shit faced when we got there. That was us. Uh, yeah. He was utterly shit faced. And the people that like, they were like, okay, they gave us like the little wristbands where we could like go in and get drinks. And they gave him a special one that was like, he can't drink, you know? <laughs> And so uh, he's been overserved. Yeah. Like, even so, though he was 21, it, it, it oh, yeah, like no, marked yeah. him to be yeah, like, you him can't to, serve yeah. him. They had like, wow, a I've never seen that before. Yeah. They're like, you, well, he was like, well, you got a ticket. You can go in, but you can't drink because you're clearly fucked up. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. No, really? Really? Yeah. I wonder uh, if that's a thing here too. And I just don't know about it. Uh, well, anyway, we went in and sure enough, before Motorhead even hits the stage, he, he's like, you know, because me and my other buddies, we were like off to the side, like standing on this lift because we got like a good view. But he's like, I want to be in the pit because he's drunk and stupid. Uh, <laughs> and so he goes in and like and he like immediately gets a stranger to go get him a drink and gets busted for it. Security hauls him out and he gets like thrown out in the street. So he's out in the street and this is in Boston, you know, like, so we had to take the train in and everything, you know, that's the only way you can really get around Boston. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's, we call it the train, you know, but yeah, you got to take the subway in. Um, and, uh, switch trains and stuff. And he's way too shit faced to even figure out how to do it. So, uh, so he's like texting us from outside he's like, I got kicked out. And like, we're all like sucks to be you nerd. Like, that's what we texted back. We're like, fuck you. Because this guy did this all the time. He got, he like would get us thrown out of places all the time. Like that was his thing. So we were like, yeah. well, fuck you, man. Fuck you. Like, we're not leaving motorhead because you're a fucking drunken idiot who, who like, you know, can't go without a drink at a show like you're, you can you, like sit out there and wait for us or figure it out find your way home uh and so that was a great show and yeah like motorhead was so definitely loud i and i knew that ahead of time like you said they have that rep so i brought earplugs and wore earplugs and all my buddies were making fun of me like oh you pussy you wearing earplugs and mm -hmm. at the end of it, they were like you were right we should have worn earplugs <laughs> well i i am uh, here to say i will still stand firmly in making fun of you for wearing earplugs they were all but, uh, they were all jealous it was because it was I'm not jealous insane how loud it was it was insane and even even with them like the next day i still was like what you know like even with the earplugs yeah no yeah, i heard my, just fine dude my <laughs> hearing is so damaged from loud music um yeah so. exactly because you didn't wear earplugs stupid yeah exactly yeah, you know sorry. when I do wear earplugs? Mm. When I'm sleeping with Nick P and he's snoring and he's so ah. loud. Again, yeah. I go back to that. Always back to him. No, <laughs> that I is them. the only time I wear earplugs. That was the only concert I ever wore them to. And I should have worn, worn them at more concerts because I have hearing damage. But uh, uh, but no, it's like, how cool is it that you're like, I'm rock and roll, I'm not wearing earplugs. And then you can't listen to rock and roll anymore because you're fucking deaf. No, it's stupid. No, it's uh, not, dude, because I will get to turn my bell tones off when I want and pretend yeah. I can't and actually not be able to hear. You have these really dumb ideas of what rock and roll is like. It's it's no. Oh, fuck you, dude. No, I don't have any dumb ideas of what rock. I didn't have the too. exact idea of what rock and roll is. Dumb ideas, my friend. You better step. <laughs> off no, dude, like, it's off, not dude. rock and roll like it's not like not it's not not rock and roll to wear earplugs at a show that yes, is, is going to make you deaf for days did let me no, wear earplugs no it isn't it's stubborn did let me wear earplugs i don't did know let maybe. me no he didn't maybe i don't know he didn't no he I didn't no i, I know he didn't no, henry rollins did good for him 
Yeah, he's because he's smart. He's a Great. smart. He guy. can hear. Wow, good for him. No, he still has tonight. Stand, but, oh, oh, let me stand up and talk about your thing and talk about all the pull-ups you can do. Fuck you. Yeah, well, you were. Just, I want to be. I want to be deaf. I want to be deaf and in the ground. You are going to be deaf. Yeah, that's not we're good. Making, that's stupid. We're making such advance. You see those commercials yeah. where the deaf kids like you know, put the chip in their so head, they can hear, and everyone cries. Idea. They'll do that to me. Your They'll idea do that to of me. rock and roll is to not care if you go deaf and allow people to bash into old ladies. So your idea of rock and roll is stupid. That's what I'm saying. You have these dumb ideas. That was my idea of rock and roll is to bash into old ladies. You said, "Lo, you're a dick for that. not letting that happen. You're a dick." No, I said you're a dick for punching someone in the face. You don't have to punch someone to keep them from punching an old lady. You were punching twelve-year-old girls I because you were at a Spice Girls concert. Grown man in the bread basket. All right, bread basket. Yeah. No. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, and like I said, all my friends were jealous that I had thought to bring earplugs. They all made fun of me, and they were all like, "I should have brought earplugs. That was brutal." Uh, and they're all dead now. They're all dead. Well, they're all deaf is what it is. They, they're they completely, utterly deaf. Rest they in are. power, Greg. Rest in power, Creston. Rest they in power, uh, Floyd. Rest in power, guy that got thrown out. Yeah. Rest in power, Pinkerton. Yeah, he and me are, the, friend he, Pinky. He and I are the only ones that aren't deaf from that show. They're all dead. Uh, though. He's not deaf, but he's dead. You'll <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, always be able to hold that one over me, I guess. I had... One more. This is my final one. Do you have another one you wanted to do, or should I just do this and wrap up, or what? I no, I have I have another one. All right, well, it's your turn. Go ahead, bro. Are you sure you want me to do? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to do one quick one that I think I brought up with my closer. I'm going to bring because uh, you brought up your guy drink your guy getting a beer bought for him at the place and drinking. That reminded me, and I I thought I talked about this, but I might have talked about it on another podcast. Uh, I, I really like the band Coheed and Cambria like them or not. I don't give a fuck what you think, but uh, they were on this tour. I know. I know. I'm just talking to like the general, but they were on, they were on tour uh, maybe like 10 or so years ago uh, with Slipknot for some reason, which is a really weird mit, like mismatched kind of thing. I thought, but they right. played first and it was like dual headlining. So there was an opener, but then Coheed played first and then Slipknot played second. And when Slipknot was playing, like, they're fine. I don't have any problem with Slipknot, but I'm in the back, like, talking to my friend and his girlfriend that we all came together. And I just had gotten a beer. Now, beers at a venue yeah. are expensive. Mm-hmm. So this is like, like a, 10 bucks at least. It's a, a $10 beer because it has to be like a tall boy that you buy and they open it and pour it in a glass for you or, I mean, a, a solo cup or whatever mm-hmm. and they give it to you. So I have this fresh cup of beer i'm in the back of the floor dude i i remember you telling me this but tell I, did i the, did yeah. i tell it on the show already i don't know or? but tell it anyway this is our concert all right it doesn't matter. so anyway I'm, I'm back there like i just have this beer i'm talking to my friends and apparently what has happened on stage is one of the slipknot members the the pig the, the clown guy has uh that plays like a beer keg and he's on like a riser he has like this uh tv on the front of his riser and what it's playing and all the screens are now playing him walking through the crowd with a, a, a handheld camera. And I don't know that I'm talking to my friends. I, I'm just hearing music. He's all walked all the way to the back and I'm just talking. All of a sudden, my beer just flies out of my hand, splashes me, splashes everything, just goes everywhere. Full fucking beer. 
And I'm like, what the fuck? And I turn around and it's that guy. It's the fucking clown guy has knocked the Slipknot guy has knocked my beer out of my hand and is filming it with his camera. But he's surrounded by bodyguards or or security. So there's like five huge dudes around him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? And they just keep going. And like I said, I would have been completely fine with this if if somebody would have come behind and been like, hey, man, no problem. Hey, let me get you a beer. We got you. Right. We got that. Yeah. We got yeah, that. You totally. know, hey, yeah. Part of the, that part of the been, show. Yeah, yeah. got it. Don't worry about it. Right. But nothing. Yeah. But nothing. And some people would say, hey, that's rock and roll. I agree. It no. is. But I was fucking mad. That's not rock and, I, and roll. And I was that's like, that's it. That's it. I'm out. I'm no, out. No. Like I you're, made my you're friends. You're a fucking leave. rock star. Like you're a rock star. Someone comes to your show, pays ten bucks for the beer, pays however much for the fucking ticket, and you knock the beer out of his hand. You think you're so cool doing that? No, you're a dick. You're a douchebag. That that band is a bunch of douchebags. They suck. And this is more evidence of that. Well, I mean, they're 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 talented in their own right, but they're great at smashing cool. beers out of guys' hands. That, for no I mean, reason. no, it wasn't cool because like. I didn't understand even like what the purpose was. If they were like, if they were trying to call me out for not paying attention and they drew all of the attention on me and knocked my beer off to be like, look at this douche is not listening to the music. I would have accepted that. But like just to walk by and just do that to like, it was, I was infuriated, dude. You would not, I, I, you know, I probably rose to the level of you when you were at your most ripped. I like just rose up to that. Like, <laughs> just, just, raw! like power so up. Yeah. But instead of doing anything with that, I just left. And yeah. well, <laughs> I mean, what can you do? Because like you said, he has a bunch of security back in my day. You could punch the guy in the face, but now like us, because they're slipknots, a bunch of pussies. They walk around with a bunch of security guards. For all their scary masks and their badass music, they walk around with security guards and knock guys' drinks out of their hands because they're a bunch of fucking pussies. Yeah, maybe if they weren't such pussies, their bass player wouldn't have died of an overdose. But anyway... That doesn't I make will... you badass. How it is doesn't. that badass? If he went out, like, fighting 20 guys, that's badass. Anybody can overdose. That doesn't make you badass. Anyone can do that. What if you overdose in the middle of fighting 20 guys? What is well, that? Well, like? you didn't prepare. <laughs> you didn't prepare very well. Well, uh, I'm going to bring this home. I'm going to. I'm going to. Well, no, my I, have, last. I have. I have one more delay. My last, and then you can lay yours because you just. You just went. So. We'll, oh. Okay. Okay. We'll okay. do it back and forth. Okay. You know? Go ahead. Uh, my I last. Think mine one. is going to be far more tragic than yours, anyway. So. Well, mine's not tragic. Mine is insane. This <laughs> is the craziest concert story that I have, and I've told some pretty wacky ones. Uh, okay. This was in, I want to say, t- 2009 or so, um, and a group of buddies uh, uh, and I got together, and we were uh, we were like, we're going to go see this show, and they were big fans of the punk band uh, No No Yes No, uh, who you may or may not be familiar with, but they're a big punk band uh, from mm-hmm. the old days, and they were playing, and I was like, eh, I don't really care about them all that much, it's not really my thing, but then I found out that Bloodshot Bill was playing. Uh, and he's not as well known. Bill, Bloodshot Bill is a one-man band, and he does this like crazy rock, like rockabilly, like greaser music. But he's totally nuts, and I love him. He's great. He sounds like the Tasmanian Devil, 
like when he what, sings. What know? is he as a as a one man band? How does he pull it off? Because I actually have yeah. some. I have a, a good friend that play is a one man band. So how does he do? Well, he, he plays the guitar, and then he's got like a drum kit next to him where he's playing with one foot, and then he has like this sound machine thing that he plays with another foot, and he sings. Okay. Uh, and, he, and he's awesome. Uh, I also saw another one uh, one man band, Scott uh, Barham, a Texas guy. Uh, I saw mm-hmm. him. Uh, I saw him before too. He's really good too. But uh, anyway, Bloodshot Bill. I was all stoked to see Blood. Scott Shot Byron. Bill. Yeah, yeah, Scott Byron. Scott Byron. Okay. Scott Byron. Scott H. Byron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Byron. Yeah, yeah. yeah Byron. No, I, Sorry. Whatever. I, I got saw confused. Him live. I, all right, Yankee. I Tom saw him live. Down. I got to meet him. Hey, he came to Boston. I saw him. He was awesome. Right. Uh, um, are you? Are you not a cop? Yes. <laughs> park the car in the car park and go see Byron. Uh, so anyway, we go to Canada to see the show. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, we go to Montreal, uh, and uh, it's oh, actually two yeah. shows because uh, No No Yes No was playing two different shows in two different parts of Canada. One was in Montreal, and one was in some other uh, place I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, first we go to No No Yes No at the club, and uh, I didn't get in a fight, but my buddy did. Uh, and then, like the next night, and we stayed in a hostel, which was really a strange experience to stay at a hostel in another country. I don't recommend it. It was kind of weird. Uh, but we, we ate the poutine and the whole Canadian experience. It was great. You uh, poutine. It, poutine? No, no poutine? I poutine. I ate poutine. Oh, oh my. <laughs> but anyway, I was trying to make the joke there. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, the, the, so the, then we went to the second show, uh, which was uh, was Bloodshot Bill, you know, uh, and he was just the opener. What it was was it like we didn't realize this at the time, but it was a uh, like a big outdoor festival. It was summer. It was like the one month of the year where it's not snowing there. It was like July, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it was like this big outdoor music festival. And so there was a bunch of bands and a bunch of uh, abstract art as well. Uh, and so like we go, the first thing we do, cause we were like rushing to get there. Cause we didn't know where the fuck we were going. We had to find this place. We rushed to get there and bloodshot bills just go on stage and mm-hmm. like, no one cares. Cause like I said, he's not big. And like the, pe- like there was like maybe 10 people standing around. I go up to the front of the stage. I'm like, yeah, you know, cause I love him. And my buddies are like, what the fuck is we even listening to? This guy's insane. Who was uh, that guy? But yeah, but yeah, and then I like you know, Bloodshot Bill came off, and he was like all excited. He was like, "Oh man, you guys came from Boston and everything." I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember this. Yeah, that's badass. Yeah, 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 that's that's awesome." No, yeah, he was really, really stoked. You know, like you you know how it is. Like like, anybody would. Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you be? Yeah, like people came from another country to see him, and he's you know small time. But anyway, he was really cool. Uh, And uh, but then the night got weird. Okay. All my buddies like got really high. I I wasn't even drinking at the time. Uh, was a record show that Chris just did a motion with his hand that looked like he was uh, suck- smoking, either sucking a small a small jube. penis or smoking a joint. No, no smoking smoking a jube. Um, uh, and, <laughs> and uh, just breeze on past that. Been <laughs> eating the poontang. Yep, in poon Canada. Tang, clan ain't nothing to fuck with. So. Um, <laughs> Poontang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. And that is our next t shirt after Chris Agree and Off on a Tangy. Shouts out Tangy. I'm like, I'm glad you like that. Um, Yeah, making you laugh makes me laugh. So, so yeah, the night gets weird, dude, because, like like I said, my buddies are getting stoned and uh, we meet up with these 
like people from Canada and they're all getting high and stuff. And then like the one guy starts talking about like starts talking politics with one of my friends. And like my friend is like, well, that sounds like communism. The guy like opens his shirt and he's got Che Guevara like tattooed all huge on his chest. And he's like, I believe in communism. It's like, like it was just this bizarre group of people, you know, were you uh, with Danny Trejo? And it was actually a Mexican woman on his chest. No, no, and, no it was not. No? It was, not. Okay. It was, it okay. was but uh, uh, anyway, uh, anyway, like we end up like wandering around because there's all this stuff going around. There's these like these art exhibits, and there's people here, people there, and then there's like all corners. There's different bands and stuff, and we go uh, to uh, to this one, and it's this band. I, I found out later they're called We Are Wolves, uh, and I, I don't know if they're really a big deal or not. But, I've, I've uh, heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. But they did this kind of like synth rock stuff. They were, they weren't bad at all, but the show was crazy because this was right over the water and there was no real stage. They were just like playing on this platform. And it was like this platform that had chains on it. And, and everyone's like, you know, like you're right there. You could walk up and just be like, Hey dude, you know? Yeah. But anyway, um, welcome to tr- every show I've ever played. Right, right. Well, this, this was a little different, though, because he's like, they're on this platform in the dirt right by the edge of the water. And Jesus. as the show's going, uh, this crane comes out and it attaches the hook to the, the chains. And as they're playing, the platform starts to rise. They're being lifted in the air on the platform and the platform's like slowly spinning. And these guys are playing this crazy, like, like this metal with this synth. And there's fireworks going off over the, the water. And they're being lifted in the air on this fucking thing. It was, it was totally nuts because it was, like, really wild, but, like, on the super cheap at the same time. It was kind of, like, really impressive that they were able to do this, uh, like, in the dirt, you know? Uh, oh, so- yeah, dude, that that's awesome. I love shit like that because that's the kind of shit that, like, you're always trying to think of like, how can I it was stand, like as a band, especially yeah. like, what can I do for my show to make it like stand it was, out and not it, be. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. And the fireworks, I don't think was like on their behalf. It was just part of this festival. I don't know if it was like some holiday or something or what, but like there was like all these huge, like not little rinky dink ones, but like professional right. fireworks going on. Uh, and they yeah, went yeah. on like throughout the night. But anyway, the best part wasn't a band. Um, we we're like the other guys are like i'm the only sober one and i'm kind of like wrangling these guys because everything going around is super weird it was almost like a burning man or something in the sense that there's like people running around without their like clothes and stuff and like like things just got crazy like people are where is this vietnam no no it wasn't apocalypse now it was just like it was like this crazy celebration where people were like not naked but they were like you know we're like half dressed and like people are dressed like with makeup on and costumes and people are carrying like flaming torches and blowing those giant bubble things that hippies do, you know? Uh, and so like my buddies are high and they're all like, Whoa. And I'm kind of like keeping them all wrangled together. Uh, and then we come to the greatest thing. It was an art exhibit, but here's what it was. It was a, a fenced in pen with a bunch of like fake grass, almost like Easter grass, like laid Mm -hmm. down on it. Mm -hmm. And there are people in there. And they're on all fours wearing sheep costumes. They're dressed as sheep, right? Like but like AstroTurf they're on, like that type of thing. Yeah, well, no, it's like it's that, but it's like there's this like like you know, like when you get an Easter basket and there's that like streamer, like grass shit. 
Oh, so it's like free streamer yeah, grass. Yeah, yeah, it's okay, like that okay. kind of shit. Um, and they're in sheep costumes. They're wearing sheep costumes, and they're on all fours. And like they, they look like a sheep, but then like they're like the face is cut out, so you can see their sh- their face in like a perfect circle. And they, uh, there's like hay mixed in the ground too. And they're picking up the hay and chewing on it and eating it. And they look right at you, and they're like ba ba ba, like buying like a sheep, right? And we're like, uh-huh. what the fuck is this? And they like walk up and like people are like handing them the hay and they're fucking eating it. They're not just chewing on it. They're fucking eating it, dude. That's just spitting it out. Uh-huh. And it, and they had like some kind of like hoses hooked up to them because they'd be walking and then they would like pee and like like pee came out like and they like they pee just like a sheep would and everything. It was the weirdest goddamn experience <laughs> Ever. And my friends are high and they're like, what the fuck? They like couldn't even handle it. Their brain was exploding. I'm sober and I can barely handle it. I'm like, what the fuck am I seeing right now? What is this? And apparently this is a thing. You can look it up. They're the sheep people of Montreal. And they like, that's their whole show. That's their entire show. They just dress as sheep and piss and eat fucking hay. <laughs> and they were at this thing. It was fucking insane, dude. <laughs> uh, huh. <laughs> It was so hmm. fucking weird. We came back. People didn't even believe us. They were like, no, you're making it up. This is fucking ridiculous. We're like, no, this happened. This is real. Yeah. A friend of mine got video of it. Thank goodness. And we could prove that it happened. I don't deny it because things like this seems like you would like when you say it, it's like, I, I guess I could see that happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So but you're, but when, you're, peeing, when you're but, in a foreign country in the middle but, of the night and like you're at this crazy celebration and guys are on a, a lift and fireworks and then you see sheep people pissing and eating hay. It's something else. I got to tell you. It really is. <laughs> it really is. Um, well, that's, well, I, uh, that's my story. <laughs> That's my closer. So I have, I have, I'm gonna, I have one more to leave us out on. And we've baby. gone, we've gone long, I know, but everybody that's still listening to the end of this podcast, you're like uh, the end of the anthology, the last story. This is, these so, have been really, this has been gold though. This has been really funny stories. I'm really glad we did this show. I agree. I think it's gold as well. I just, like uh, your, all your stories made me laugh. All my I, stories made you laugh, you know? So, well, prepare to cry. Okay, great. No, I love, <laughs> no I love to end on tragedy. I love it. So, okay, so this has to do with, uh, and again, I'm not trying to goad you into anything, but you know that uh, Soundgarden is one of my favorite bands for real in a real situation. Uh, when I was, you know, younger, like I, I really was into Soundgarden. I, I just, whatever happened struck a chord with me over at Bayside high with all my white rich friends. Um, so 1996 Soundgarden puts out their follow up to super unknown called down on the upside. And I am in high school and I'm just, I've just gotten into them in that interim period. And they announce this huge tour that they're doing. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm in like, and this is again, this is like a no doubt situation. Mm. Soon as the tickets went on sale, I was in line at Foley's 
at the customer service line, uh, you know, old ladies wrapping presents and selling me tickets to Soundgarden. And I just bought two tickets because why, you know, you buy two tickets because I'm like, eh, I'm sure I'll find somebody to go with me. Mm. Um, so the the date is coming. It's quickly approaching. And I'm like, who I have this other ticket. So first, like I do. I do do like I I do do. You I say do I do, do. I do do the cop out of like asking my my buddy like, "Hey man, do you want to go to Soundgarden with me?" And he's like, "Oh fuck man, I can't. I got this fucking thing whatever." And I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." So then I'm like, "All right, I'm going to ask the that same girl that I I told the prom story about, Cheryl." That like, bitch. I'm going to ask her. I'm going to ask no. Let's not <laughs> do that. Shit, I just said, I'm going to ask her. I'm going to ask her uh, if she wants to go, and I was like, "Hey, I have these tickets to Soundgarden. Would you want to go with me? It's this like Thursday night, whatever it was." And she's like, "Oh my god, I love them! Yes, absolutely." And I was like, "All right, great." And so then the next day, she's like, "Oh yeah, I have a basketball because she played basketball for like high school basketball." She's like, "I have a basketball game that night, but I should be done by this time. Is that still good? Like as soon as it's over, I'll change and we'll go." And I was like. Yeah, that should be good because, I mean, the doors are at this time and then there's an opener and like, yeah, no, no problem. That should be fine. Um, so. Uh, that night, you know, I go to I come back to school to the basketball game and go and I sit in the bleachers and I'm by myself and there is a group like there's a maybe a collection of you could say like whatever you want to call them uh, of cool guys. Um, that are sitting maybe like four bleachers in front of me. And, you know, I walk up and acknowledge them. Hey, you guys doing Hey, what's up? And I sit there by myself and I'm just watching the game and I'm waiting for it to be over. And this one guy walks up that I know um, and comes and sits down with the cool guys. And his name is Corey with a K. Rebel. Um, and, uh, you know, he, you know, he sits down with them like, Hey, what's up, man? What's up? What's up? They sit down and, uh, and they're like, what's up, man? What are you doing? And they're like, ah, he's like, oh, I'm just, uh, I'm here to, uh, I'm just going to chill, chill until the game's over. I'm t- taking Cheryl out after this and I'm behind him and I'm like, what? And they're like, oh yeah. She's like, yeah, yeah. We're going to go out to like such and such. The same Cheryl. Yeah, yeah, the same oh one that I'm God. supposed to take to that concert, to Soundgarden. Oh my and God. I was like, Cru- like, cr- like you can't even imagine like the amount of crushingness that I'm like behind hearing this. So I keep this is what keep, she does to you. Keep you a straight face, uh, and I and I just am like, all right. So I sit there for another couple, you know, minutes or whatever minute, and I get up and just like walk down the bleachers and leave the gym. And I go to the payphones back then. We had payphones at our school. And I call my buddy again. I'm like, hey, man, you, you, are you sure you can't go? And he's like, I, I can't go, man. I'm like, all right, cool. So I hang up the phone and I go to my truck and I'm like, I'm just going by myself. So I just shoot downtown to like the venue. And the venue, it was, it was at this place called, um, I don't remember what it's called. The, uh, it doesn't matter. Whatever. Doesn't matter. But it was in an old, furniture store one of those huge big furniture stores that you know existed 
So it was in like a closed out furniture store. All right. Yeah, like a big warehouse type thing. Oh, okay. Uh, like a warehouse. Was, yeah, yeah. yeah, like the venue, like, mm. y- you know, one of those kind of places. So it was closed out. You know, it, it's that. So I go down and I, I, I go. And of course, I'm running extremely late. You know, the 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 opening band is is done. I park. And as I'm walking through the parking lot, I hear I can hear them open like the opening number. Uh, they they st- they open and they ri- they open the show with Spoonman, and I'm like, oh Jesus Christ! I'm like walking up to the thing, and I'm confused by what I see as I approach the door because there's like a, a kind of a table with a pop up tent over it and some people congregated around it, and there's some people at the door, like a couple of people, like security type people, and I'm like, fuck! I'm just concentrating getting up there, so I walk right to the door and I might take it out, and they're like. Whoa, 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 whoa. And I was like, hey, no, I have my ticket. I'm sorry. And like, these, they're like, oh, sorry, man. The show's oversold. The fire, the fire marshal is not oh, like anybody shit. else in. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, we're, we don't, I mean, fire marshal's not letting anybody else in. We don't have any control over it. You can take your ticket back to the ticket master and you'll get a full refund. But oh, we're also man. like, you can go to this table and we'll give you some free swag uh, right now, but we can't let you in. And I was wow. like, are you serious? And like, I thought I was in like a dream. Like I thought it was like not real. Like right. someone's fucking with me. And I was like, didn't know oh. that that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what? <clears throat> and they, and I was like, you're really not going to let me in. And they're like, no, we can't let you in. I'm sorry. And I was like, yeah. so I, I kind of like walk over to this table and I'm like, I guess I'm supposed to get something from you. So they like shove some stickers in my hand and a vinyl of down on the upside at that point, I have no record player. It's 1996. Mm-hmm. And I like just kind of like walk back out to my truck and just like sit there. And I'm like, God damn it. Yeah. And I drove home in silence and cried on the oh. way. Oh. Uh, would not even listen to music. I was like, I, I was so crestfallen. Jesus. And I never got to see them. Yeah. Because they came to like a Lollapalooza after that in Dallas, but I, I couldn't go. I had to work. And then as they're coming into Houston, they like, you know, he died like a, two days before they were supposed to be in Houston or like a date. Before oh, they yeah. Were supposed to be in Houston. Yeah. So I missed. So I miss him from that. And then the next chance I get to see him, he fucking died. Chris Cornell yeah. dies before I get to see them. So it was. Uh, so what, what a. A yeah. fucking bitch this girl is. Cheryl, if you're listening, I hope you die. I hope you, get, hope a you get everything infection. I hope you get a big yeast infection and like your eyes get crusted over and turned all yellow and jaundice and like your teeth start to fall out because your blood starts to stop circulating and, and that like your your asshole just becomes like a perforated where it like turns inside out and dangles from your ass. I hate you. Into purple stuff will come out of your guts and your mouth, and, you, <laughs> and you will die. Uh, I mean that that I'm and I'm not trying to make this like a tragic like uh, high school rom com no, story. Is twice but it, it is a reality. You. Yeah, she burned just... you twice, dude. And, and I mean that's just the concerts. Who know who knows how many other times she got the fucking laughs on you. I'm sure it was many times, mm-hmm. but I'm past that now. Yeah, fool you once. I'm shame on you. Fool you eighteen times. (laughs) Shame on John Wayne. 
shame and and i carried that shame for many years until oh, now to myself no that was yeah so uh, yeah and i never got to see sound gardens i figured we could end on that tragic story it's, that's great yeah really bring everybody that's down awesome. that's awesome all right well okay one final note then so you 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 wish you could have seen sound are there are there any other bands you like wish you could have seen uh, like in their prime that it's too late, like either they are dead or they're just not that good anymore or the original lineups not together. Uh, I mean, I wish I could have seen Nirvana. Yeah. Really? Like when you say that, that's really the only band because I, I was heavy into Nirvana. Um, unfortunately, after like Kurt Cobain was dead and I couldn't see them anymore. Yeah. Uh, but I, that's probably the band I would be like. I, I would have liked to have been tuned in or awake at, at when they were yeah. big and been yeah. able to have gone to see them because that would have been fucking rad. Yeah. I really would have loved to see in Judas Priest. Uh, of course, they're still around, but it's not yeah. the original lineup. And as much as I love Halford, his voice is kind of shot. He can still sing. Uh, but he can't do the high notes anymore. So he can sing like some of their modern stuff. But when he tries to do like stuff from painkiller or screaming for vengeance, he just can't hit the notes, you know? Um, so yeah, I would have loved to see priest back, back in the day. Uh, but the, but two that I really would love to see that are gone now is I would have loved to see an, uh, Dio perform particularly uh, if, I yeah. seen, if I could have seen Dio Sabbath, cause that's my preferred version of black Sabbath. I think Dio is much superior to Ozzy. Um, as a singer, even though I love Sabbath Ozzy, I love it. I love it. Don't get me wrong, but Dio is better. Um, so I would have loved to seen that. Uh, and my number one favorite musical artist of uh, all time died re- like a, within a year or so ago. Danzig is dead? No. <laughs> no, he's not. Uh, maybe yeah. dead inside, but no, he's not wow. dead. No, I do love Danzig. I would have loved to have seen them too. But I've I've heard even back when they were good, I heard they, they had really shitty shows. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Of course they did dude. a lot of friends told me they were like yeah their shows are t- their live shows are bad but uh um but no uh scott walker is my favorite uh musical performer of all time uh and he stopped doing shows uh he was like top of the world in the 60s and everything and then he stopped doing shows and became a recluse and then his music took this dark turn and now it's all like this weird avant-garde stuff uh but he so he didn't even perform live for decades uh, so even like in my lifetime, I couldn't have gone to see him uh, because he didn't perform live anymore. And now he's, you know, passed away. So I'm not going to ever see him, but he's my absolute favorite um, musical artist, period. So rest in power. Can I add a, a redemption epilogue very quickly? Okay, go for that it. I, I had made a note and I forgot to, to, to tag it on the end of that story. Uh, this Corey that starts with a K. Um, Did he die? <laughs> he might as well be. <laughs> flash, 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 for, flash forward. <laughs> to uh where i am like i said i worked for starbucks for 15 years so in the last 10 years i was a manager of a store uh for 10 years that was in like this suburb like a a rich white suburb of north houston and uh it was attached to it was like a, a a strip center right so i was like i was like the end of a strip center and then it went around the anchor was an heb which is a huge grocery store so uh, you know, after a few years, I'm there towards the end of my tenure, the property uh, is sold to a different company. And my property manager sh- comes to see me. And guess who that is? Chris Cornell. It's Corey with the K. 
<laughs> of course. And he is shorter than me. Mm. He has a very sprawling bald spot on the back of his head. And he lives in Katy, which is another s- stupid suburb mm. out in the outskirts, married with two kids and a property and a no, no, no. (laughs) And a property manager. And, uh, Oh my God, I did nothing that he told us to like, I, Uh we, we are back. Like we had this like back hallway that connected like to the thing, like all the other back hallways of like the back doors of the other businesses. And ours was always constantly trashed, dude. Cause we would put trash out there and it would have to wait till we could get a chance to take it out. So shit would like drain. It's like coffee and chocolate and stuff. And you'd be like, Hey man, I really need you to, you know, move that stuff and keep it clean. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem, dude. I got it. Absolutely. And I would mm-hmm. never do anything he Good. said. Fucking so that it. was a redemption. And that then I, you know, I'd always, I would yet. always be like, I would always be like, yeah, dude, I'm on it. I'm yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I would yeah. never do it. And, uh, and he died. Good. After I left. <laughs> no, what what, I, what I, happened I, to, what happened to Cheryl? She, you know what? The last contact I had with her was she had moved to Colorado, and I was this was back when I was working at Starbucks, and she friended me on Facebook, and then immediately sent me a message where she said like, "Hey, I just want to check in on you. I had a dream where uh, you were like in peril of some kind or whatever, and I was so incensed that I was like, I don't know why you're having crazy dream like bad dreams about me. I am very like I'm I'm doing well and all this stuff. Play I'm unfriend." And wow. I have, and I've never talked to her since. Well, you gave her the unfriend, man. Hardcore. Well, I really don't care. The fuck her, dude. Fuck yeah, her. Better for fuck better for forever. Her. Fuck her forever. I, I mean, I don't have any grudge. This is twenty some years ago, but I, I uh, it's grudge just uh, all right. I'm hurt glad. my hurt my friend, will you? Fucking bitch. Fuck you, Cheryl. I hope you die. I'm better off. You know, <laughs> better off. We learn and we grow. That's all we can say. And uh, here I am, the sad sack before you. <laughs> it all worked out pretty good, I think. Mm-hmm. All things considered. Excuse it me. It really did. It really did. <laughs> you start crying. It really did. Two wives. Two wives. Two wives later. Two houses. You know, published author. I'm really doing well for myself, okay. I yeah. think. Hey, yeah. Better than me, baby. Better than me. I don't think that that's a competition. <laughs> it's not even close. Yeah, you're doing way better. <laughs> no, I don't think we're in a contest. <laughs> oh, we, we need to bring this one into. A... <laughs> I think it's over. I think it's all over. This, this was a this was a very fun show. I enjoyed this very much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love music, and I I I have a million uh, stories. So we might have to do another episode that's concert yeah. stories because I, yeah. I honestly have a bunch of other ones that I was like making notes about. Where I was like, oh yeah, I remember that yeah. one. Yeah, plus I have stories from shows that I've played that have been right crazy. So well, that's we'll what I tried to, to stick to is uh, is you know I had to do a little bit of the bragging, being like, yeah, I saw Nelson and Cash and Cohen Shaver, uh, but. I really wanted to stick to like the most crazy stories around the shows too. And, you know, and so that's what made the show, the, this show particularly fun. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you did that too. You know, we had these stories to go with them. So, cause it would be super lame. We're like, I saw, I saw this bad. That was cool. And then I saw this other one. <laughs> oh, and they changed my life, man. They were cool. Oh, and then I saw this one guy who played I, the thing. 
I could tell you about his guitar is shocking. <laughs> I could tell you about when I saw Al Dumiola at a very small bar in Houston with like six other people, and one guy just yelled, "Thank you, thank you." To him for the entire fucking set. Um, I could tell you about that one. So <laughs> I have a lot of uh, weird. I don't even know who that guy is, but that's funny. <laughs> Aldi Miola is like a like a guitarist, like uh, virtuoso thank, thank and classical you. guitarist. Anyway, yeah, he just screamed "thank you" for the entire show, and I was just like, "God damn, dude, he gets it." All right. <laughs> I think he even said you're welcome a couple of times. Just <laughs> let it like, go. Oh, shut up. Yeah. Oh God, that's funny. Yeah, well, but then yeah. I punched the shit out of him after that, so See? it's fine. There you go. There you yeah. go. That's what you yeah, do at a concert. Right. You punch people. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, you know what? Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> what a time. And thank, thank all you. of you if you've listened this far, and we know you haven't. And we don't blame you. Um, but Except uh, for my mom who has. Shouts out, mom. And I'll expect you to text me saying you heard me say this at the end of the show. So and I, I, and I, I want to say a very special thanks to our special guest, Stephen Q. Urkel. Pumped full of loads. <laughs> Pumped right full of them. Did you, did you hit your camera? Oh, there I we think go. I did. I think uh, I did. All right. Pumped full of loads. God damn. God. <laughs> And we'll leave on that. <laughs> yeah, and and on that, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow or tonight at midnight, buy Mage of the Hellmouth, eat some cheese, and uh, you know, love your Laura like you're never gonna stop loving. He's got a finger that's working like a. <laughs> like, yeah. All right, we. He's rocking and rolling. He is a rock and roller. Jesus Christ! All right, we're out. <laughs> <laughs>